1: Welcome aboard National Football Show. It's your boy, Big Sills. Appreciate you guys coming aboard. What an absolutely huge two days it's been for the Philadelphia Eagles and also for the National Football League. Cutdown days are always like this because player movement is everywhere. Teams are filling out their practice squad rosters, the bottom 1% of their 53-man roster, 47 active for the Sunday games, So there's a lot of maneuvering around. Obviously, a deal was just cut between the Vikings and the Eagles. We'll get to that here in a minute. Chris Landry from Landry Football will join us at the bottom of this hour. We will ask him about CJ. We will ask him about this recent deal that just went down between the Eagles and the Vikings and Jalen Rager. And we will talk to Chris Landry about the entire Philadelphia Eagle roster and the NFC East. So it's been A very busy 48 hours for Howie Roseman, the general manager of the Philadelphia Eagles, to say the least here. And just a couple minutes ago, the Eagles sent Jalen Rager to the Vikings in exchange for the 2023 seventh-round pick and a 2024 conditional pick that could be a fourth-rounder. Now, if it falls apart and he doesn't meet certain incentives, it will go down to a fifth rounder. So you're looking at Jalen Rager getting a new opportunity at a new zip code. There's no question here, too, with Rager. Defeated in Philly. It just wasn't going to happen. And I believe he allowed a lot of the noise to get inside his noggin, and it really affected his play, his attitude. I mean, it was not working. We saw that for the last 18 months. It just wasn't working. And Philadelphia was trying to do everything they could to unload the kid. Now, does he go to Minnesota with the new leash on life here? You're playing now with Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen. Could he be a great number three? Opportunity is going to be there for them. The Vikings love to throw the football. They love to throw the football. So there's going to be an opportunity. Will he take the opportunity this time? that he wasted in philadelphia because now get this he's not going to be asked to be a first round pick in minnesota you know what he is now right now he is a seventh round pick he has gone from a first round pick to a seventh round pick in minnesota's eyes that's all they surrendered for him a seventh round pick so it's really no no skin off the minnesota vikings if he fails, it's not, okay? It's, it's not a seven and a fifth for a potential number one guy a couple of years back to turn his career around. Basically, Minnesota is giving him a second lease on life here to have a chance to play in this league. You're not going to be a one. You're not going to be a two. You're going to be a three in Minnesota. And it was right for the Philadelphia Eagles to move on from him. You were giving a free roster spot to a guy who doesn't deserve to be on the team. Plain and simple, okay? Plain and simple. Xander said it too a couple minutes ago before we even went on the air. Hey, number five wide out, really? We're talking more special teams now than we are talking about a guy who's going to play a lot. What, what was he potentially going to get um, this year when it came to targets? One, two, a game? It's wasted assets, send them somewhere else, get something in return. And by the way, the way how he's been using those five sixes and seventh round picks to kind of move around and get some assets to fill some of the needs on the team. He's actually covered his ass numerous ways here. So, you know, before I would go a seventh round pick, Hey, Jordan Mulata was at that pick, you know, so nowadays, we're not talking about a 12th rounder any longer. We're talking about draft choices that may turn into something. Like I said, Jordan Mulata was a seventh-round pick, and he's one of the top offensive tackles in the game. So again, it, it, it it's good for both. They both move on, and they both begin anew, and it's great. And by the way, can I tell you why I think that this deal was – Really, something that the Eagles could afford to do. Zach Pascal's better than I thought. He's actually better than I thought. I, I I had no idea who he was. And when Nick Sirianni made the suggestion to Howie that they go and get him, um, nobody knew who he was. He's actually better than I thought. You know, that's a theme this year, too, with many of the guys that Howie went out and got. And has put on the team and upgraded the roster. Make no mistake about it. Okay. Dallas got a sixth for Cooper. So again, yeah, no, I'm 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 not, I'm not dissing on the seventh rounder and potentially a fourth rounder. Sending Jalen Rager to the Minnesota Vikings. Everybody needed to move on. The Eagles needed to move on from him, and he needed to move on from the Eagles. Maybe this gives him an opportunity to succeed. I don't think anybody was sitting here just wishing for Jalen Rager to suck. Nobody does. You want, you, you want people to have success in life. At least I do. It just wasn't happening in Philadelphia. And it was never going to happen. Especially when they went out and got Devontae Smith last year. You knew that the writing was on the wall. They were moving on from him. If Jalen Rager pans out, there is no Devontae Smith. There is no Devontae Smith on the team. Picking, right. He gets a chance at redemption. Plus, you get a chance to see the Eagles in week two. We'll see. Again, do I think that he's going to take advantage of this opportunity? May I be candid? As of August 31st, I just don't think he's good enough. I think this was a player that was over-evaluated. I just, I I don't think he's good enough. Now, can he be a three or four? Yeah, but he was overdrafted. This guy was a fifth or sixth round draft pick. Okay, he wasn't a first rounder. Howie misgaged on this one here and his evaluation was off with his team. Happens and it happens to everybody, by the way. This is not something you go, oh, Howie, Eh, you know. Happens to everybody. You overdraft somebody. How many times do we see that? Look at Baker Mayfield, the Cleveland Browns. You're telling me you don't think that they overdrafted Baker Mayfield, the number one overall selection, and you turn around and get a sixth pick for him? Come on, man. That's that's the story of the league. Look, look, look at look at a guy like Jordan Mulata. He he's evaluated Look at a guy like uh, Jason Kelsey. Look at a guy like any – think about some of the players that you've seen just go on to brilliant careers. Look at Derrick Henry. You think Derrick Henry's a second-round draft choice? Really? (laughs) Not me, dude. That guy's a top-three pick, and he lasted all the way until the second round. So, again, I mean, it happens. So Jalen Rager now is a member of the Minnesota Vikings, and they will see both Justin Jefferson and – Jalen Rager in week two at Lincoln Financial. So we move on from that. Don't forget, Chris Landry will be with us. Former NFL scout from Landry Football. We'll talk to him about this roster and all the moves that we've seen over the last 48 hours here. I want to start the show off by doing this. I do not want to ever hear on this program or anybody's take tell me that the Philadelphia Eagles need to knock the dust off and the rust off as they get ready for the Detroit Lions. You better beat the living shit out of that team in week one. You better play lights out defense. You need to run that football team off Ford Field. You need to set a precedent, an attitude, You need to send a message to the rest of the league in that opening week. I don't want to hear any shit about, well, that game's going to be close. Let's, hey, understand that it's a road game and the Lions have gotten better. I don't want to hear any of that. Super Bowl contenders are Super Bowl contenders in week one and in week 18. I don't want to hear any of that. None of it. You do not get an opportunity to knock the rust off when you are a Super Bowl contending team. Act like it 24-7. Champions act like champions all the time. Not when you need to. You acted in that game one, and you better run that fucking team off the field. You need to set a standard. Well, hey, let's know this. This game's going to be close. Are you crazy? Four points? You need to beat that team by 24 points. I don't want to hear any of that. You don't get that hall pass here, fellas. Super Bowl contenders act like it all the time. Well, let's just roll into the season. You know, bro, if you play for the Sun Bowl, you won't go to any bowl. If you're not thinking perfection, you'll never make it to the Super Bowl. If you're thinking about a winning team, you'll never win the NFC East. You better not have that attitude. I don't want to hear anybody going, hey, man, you know, let's see how we're going to play in week one. And, Dude, what a soft mentality. What an absolutely weak loser mentality. You know, I like, I like to compare teams. Like the Lions, when you're a team that's a Super Bowl contender, they're roadkill. That's a roadkill team. You're to put your foot on their throat and never let them up. Don't let anybody hang in a fight. What if he knocks you out late in the fight? Some stupid play. Dude, when you got a person down and you're superior to them, you don't let them back in it. No prisoners, dude. Well, you know, this game's going to be close, Sills. It's always week one. and every Dude, don't come up with these off-ramp excuses for your football team to potentially lose and give these guys alibis. This is a non-alibi season. There's no alibis here. I hear people all throughout the shows going like this. Hey, you never know. The Lions are going to be... If you're a Super Bowl contender and you're a heavyweight champion and you're a heavyweight champion contender, you're a heavyweight champion contender for a reason because you fought and scratched your ass in your way all the way to the start gate where people know that when you get into the ring with you, you better get your Dukes up. You better have yourself ready to play. Because if the Eagle players think that they're going to throw their helmet on that field, at Ford Field in week one, they will get beat. I'll tell you something about this coaching staff. It's awful soft. Something about it to me. Planting seeds and soft zone coverages and I don't know, man, the analytics of life. Maybe, again, it's old man Dan talking here, but I don't see meat and potatoes and guts. You know what I mean? Fighting your ass off. You know what I don't see? It's funny. I see Jason Kelsey, but I don't see Jason Kelsey in the coaching staff. It's just like a bunch of dudes, man, that belong at a, like an account accounting firm or something well you know we'll play this way and by the way i was listening to barrett and all the guys on sports take jonathan gannon has all the tools but jonathan gannon is not an aggressive defensive coordinator he's not an aggressive coordinator i don't care how many talented people you have on your roster that's something of a play caller that's something of a mentality. That's something that when you're a D coordinator, you take control of the game. You think that guy has shown you any way where he's aggressive. And don't give me that shit, well, they didn't have the players last year. Hey, man, I don't want to die by a thousand knives. I'm going to get into it, and I'm going to fight you right now. You know what zones are? Zones are slow bleeding to death. You know, you, you know what man coverage is and press coverage? Me against you right now. Let's go find out and play 60. Jonathan Gannon, he enjoyed bleeding to death. He let that defense last year bleed to death. And all of a sudden now, he's going to be this aggressive killer. Just because you give him all the pieces? I think that's an innate mentality you have to have. I think that's something that's inside you. You think Buddy Ryan you think if he didn't have the per- – let me ask you this about Buddy Ryan or Bud Carson or Jim Johnson or any one of them dudes. you think if they didn't have the personnel that they wouldn't come up with a scheme like they did for Hugh Douglas. Remember what they were saying about Hugh Douglas? I was listening to an interview with Corey Simon, and Hugh Douglas was doing shit out there. And you know what Jim Johnson did? He created a defensive scheme that took advantage of what he was doing and they ended up being one of the top defenses in the NFL because Hugh was doing things that were not in the scheme and were not in the framework of the, of the defense. So he came up with the guy because the guy was not going to follow inside the guardrails. That's coordinating. But he was still being an aggressive guy because he wanted to take advantage of Hugh Douglas's aggressiveness. Come on, man. You really think because you added all these players that that defensive coordinator is going to change his stripes? Shit. Give me a break. Give me a break, man. And the way that they practiced, I don't want to hear any excuses when it's week one, them getting out of the gate slow. You have no excuses here. You have the best roster in the NFC. Act like it. Dude, if I have a power punch, I'm not going to not throw that. I'm going to hit you in the arm, the head, the forearms, the chin, in your chest. I'm going to make sure every time I throw that bomb, you know, don't let me hit you on the jaw, man, because if I do, lights out. Okay? It's aggravating for me to hear that. Well, you know, they may get out to the gate a little slow. Shit. Why did you get all these players on the team and build the roster up? To start slow? (laughs) Who talks like that? Who in their right mind as a champion talks like, well, you know, let's see how they get out in week one. i look at that D coordinator and go like this. Brother, you better bring the heat and the pain. You better bring it, dog. That guy will lose that locker room quicker than any coach on that side of the ball I've ever seen. Remember Mike Nolan, who was coaching the Cowboys three years ago? That Cowboy defense got steamrolled by every team in the league. The entire locker room of Dallas looked at Mike Nolan and went, This ain't it. They bring Dan Quinn in, change the entire environment. You know why? Dan Quinn's aggressive. Dan Quinn believes in putting pressure on the quarterback. Want to hear any shit about that stuff, dog? 11 days to kickoff. You better write the ship mentality wise. Ray says, when I balled and played hockey, my mentality was, I want to hit you so hard, you question if you want to play afterwards. Dude, totally. You know, there were times in games, Rage, where a guy would come at me and I would just slam him on the ground. I didn't give a shit where the ball went because I wanted him to know, you better bring your lunch pail and have your miner's cap on because you're going to work. This is going to be 60 minutes. You better bring your union card, bro. I don't give a shit about the scoreboard either. I don't care. I'm coming after you. You and me here. That's how you compete. Not this. Well, they make it out slow. Come on, man. Set a precedent. Set a tone. Have an attitude. I mean, how can you have an attitude like Jonathan Gannon to be the defensive coordinator in a city like Philadelphia, Pennsylvania blows my mind. blows my mind. I hear people all day long today talking about, well, you know, he's got all the tools now. Bro, it's not the fact that he's got all the tools. He doesn't have it in him to be aggressive. This guy's a politician aiming to be a nfl head coach that's what he wants his objective is not being a good coordinator he wants to be a head football coach because he sees how easy it is for these guys like brandon staley mcdaniel all these guys hackett all these guys that have limited backgrounds in coaching and haven't come up the right way look at frank wright he's had 14 different jobs Look at Doug Peterson, 14 different jobs. Those guys came up the hard way, like gypsies. Hey, old Cole, I don't know if Gannon's a tool or not. I don't know him from a can of paint. All I know is his personality is on his defense every time they take the field. And to me, it reminds me of of tissue paper. Tissue paper. Bro, I don't care if you get beat, but don't get beat being soft. I don't want to hear anything, any excuses. The Philadelphia Eagles, hey, watch this. The Jets have excuses. They got a shitty roster. They got a shitty roster. Okay? The Giants have an excuse. They have a shitty quarterback, new coach, new GM. There's excuses at least. Philly, there isn't one. You do not have any off-ramps. Off-ramps are closed in Philly. One main highway. It's like driving on 95 with no exits. You have no exits in 2022. I don't want to hear any shit about anything. I I heard excuses all day long today. All day long. Well, they may get up to (laughs) it. Give me a break, man. I don't want to hear anything like that. Okay? Both sides of the ball. All right. Let's move on to this. Miles Sanders has to show us that he is healthy to play in this game and in this season. I would say to you that Miles Sanders is the most important player in that offensive huddle if you want this thing to look different than what it was a year ago. Miles Sanders has to take the heat off of Jalen Hurts. Miles Sanders has to do a better job like he did his rookie year, catching the football out of the backfield. And you've got to give Jalen Hurts some help. If you do not give Jalen Hurts some help, they will revert back to doing what they did last year by running the ball because Hurts will have to be the centerpiece. It's okay to have Jalen Hurts part of the running game. He can't be the running game. He can't. If you're trying to grow your passing game, he can't be that. The running game is supposed to help Jalen. I mean, can you imagine? Tom Brady's not asked to do that. Do you understand what you're asking Jalen Hurts to do? Tom Brady doesn't do it. Aaron Rodgers doesn't do it. The great passers in the game are not asked to be at all in any way part of the running attack with their own wheels. Not one of the elite quarterbacks is asked to run the ball. Rodgers could probably, but they don't want him doing that. They want Aaron Jones doing that. He's got to help Jalen. Understand this. You're asking Jalen Hurts to do something that maybe a handful of quarterbacks in the NFL are being asked to do. It's why they're beating up Lamar Jackson in Baltimore. Last two years, this guy's health has been a massive issue. Why? Because Baltimore is leaning on this guy to run it and throw it. Dude, you're wearing the guy out. His shelf life is like a dog. Seriously, it's like a dog. This guy's aging in dog years in Baltimore. You want Jalen to be a guy at the end of the day to get his $40 million bag of money? Miles Sanders has has to be a factor this year. Has to be. Junie, facts. Last year, Jalen was the running game. Miles Sanders has to be the focal point of that. I'm not saying that Jalen shouldn't be involved in it. But help him out. Okay? Help him out. You just can't have a guy back there throwing slant patterns and think you're going to have a 66... Can you imagine if Tom Brady couldn't throw... Passes to his backs. You think Todd Brady would be 67% completion percentage if he couldn't throw to his backs? Absolutely not. Jalen was so limited last year in throwing the ball to his backs. No wonder he only had 61% completion percentage. Because the short passing game was a non-factor because the backs didn't help him. Gainwell, Boston, Miles Sanders, no one helped him. And you've added A.J. Brown now. Well, I don't know what that means to the passing in the short passing game. Miles Sanders is the wild card here. Everyone in that huddle knows it. Because if you ask Jalen Hurts to be the focal point running the ball and throwing it, Gardner Minshew will finish the season. That's what you're looking at. And no one wants to see that. Gardner-Mitchell will finish the year. So Sanders, bro, and and that's probably why Howie's now out looking potentially for a running back that's out there. I would think you need more depth. That running attack has to be shared. Shared. Can't be singled out by Jalen. Okay? Can't be. Can't be, man. If Sanders gets 1,400 yards from scrimmage, even if he does, tell you what, man, you get 1,400 yards from scrimmage, that's a conversation I would want to bring him back. 1,400 yards is nothing to sniff at. Okay? Okay. There, it's nothing to sniff at. Kareem Hunt, they're not letting him go, Joshua, because they're going to now, the suspension has started today for um, Deshaun Watson, and they're going to run the ball with that offensive line. You're going to see the Eagle offense in Cleveland, in my opinion. OK, you're going to see that offense, especially with the first half of the season, because they're not going to put the ball in the hands of Jacoby Brissett and tell him to go win ball games. So they're not letting loose of any running backs that they don't think can help them get this, get through this and weather through this. I think because they're in the AFC, they'll be out probably by week six. Um, but if they were in the NFC, they'd probably be still in it by week 11. And they could probably get away with it in the NFC. They're not going to be able to get away with it in the AFC. The entire AFC West might be able to make that whole entire uh, playoff look. So, yeah, man. I mean, look, Sanders has to be a focal point. He has to be. All right, I want to do this now. It's been a pretty remarkable offseason here for Howie Roseman and what he has accomplished here. When it comes to retooling this football team. And I've said this to you before. One of the things that has always um, been a problem with me is that when Howie decides to get out of the personnel department and go into the coaching area, that's where the football team gets into trouble. Okay. He's done his job. Now you hand it to the coaches and it's up to the coaches now, 11 days from now on September 11th, to take this football team and see what they can do with it. It's their opportunity now. And the Eagles over the last 48 hours have made a move. The Eagles send wide receiver Jalen Rager to the Vikings in exchange for a 2023 seventh round pick and a 2024 conditional fourth round pick that could end up falling down to a fifth pick if they do not meet all the requirements and incentives. Yesterday, they got Chauncey Gardner-Johnson from the Saints. And they've upgraded the, I would say, the safety position because that's where they're probably going to play him with Bradbury and with Slay on the other side. So you've got versatility in there. And my friend Chris Landry from Landry Football um, will tell us right now, again, because first and foremost, Chris, I want to start out, before we get into the offseason here, Jalen Rager, um, you're down in that neck of the woods in New Orleans. Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, how did he end up with the Philadelphia Eagles, I mean, was this just a salary move here, or was it the Honey Badger that cost them the opportunity? Do you think he's a good player? Give me your assessment of the whole move.
2: They couldn't get a long-term deal done with him, so they just wanted to – they've got depth at their position, and if they were – they they didn't want to – they wanted to get something for him since they weren't able to extend him. So, And they've, they've got a little bit of luxury there depth-wise, so – I think it was a combination of both, but mainly the fact that uh, they couldn't get a long-term deal done. He has had a, had a a a different idea of what his value was in a potential market, uh, and we'll see going forward where that is. But um, they didn't want to go forward with him if they didn't have a long-term deal with him.
1: I have a lot of respect for Mickey Loomis, as you do, Chris. I think he really does a nice job evaluating talent. Um, um, your thoughts on... Chauncey Gardner-Johnson joining the Eagles. Um, is he a playmaker? Do you like him? Do you think that his versatility, you could play him in the nickel, you could play him in the slot, corner, safety? Will you, give me your, your your impression of him.
2: Yeah, no, I think he has some value. I think it's a good move for Philly. I think the key is going to be long-term. Do you, you know, do you, do you, can, can you get a deal done with him? Um, you made a trade. Uh, is it a one-year deal? You know, or is it going to be one of those cases where, you know, he's going to have, uh, again, the difference between what he values himself and maybe what the Eagles might, this could be a one-year rental deal, in which case it's not as good of a deal. But uh, that's the reason why they were not able to, you know, they didn't want to move forward. But they've got a good player there. He's got versatility to, uh, to play outside. I think he's physical. Um they they just saying to have a little bit more depth than the Eagles do right now at that position.
1: Jalen Rager being sent to the Minnesota Vikings. And obviously when you send a first round draft choice and you're getting a seventh rounder, you're obviously kind of waving the white flag on this thing here too. You know, both parties probably Chris Wright needed to move on from one another. Rager wasn't happening in, in Philadelphia. Now he gets an opportunity to be in a pass happy offense up there, your impressions of the deal here with Rager going to Minnesota.
2: I think you nailed it. Um, it's just, it didn't work out. And, you know, it's a, it was a big miss for the Eagles and there's no risk at all for the Vikings. I mean, they, they've got a guy that I know that they probably like most people thought of him as a pretty good player and new uh, new change of Scenery might benefit him. Um, but again, if it doesn't, Vikings haven't really lost anything. It's, it's the Eagles' loss here, and they just move on, cut their ties uh, for, again, a mistake that they'll probably regret for a while.
1: I said yesterday that the Philadelphia Eagles have the deepest roster um, in the NFC. Am I right or wrong when I say
2: that? Uh, I don't know that I go that far, although I think it's pretty deep. I don't think it's the best. Uh, I I don't think they have as many, you know, I don't think that they're a, um, a great roster, but I do like the depth. I think the the Chris, that's where I
1: was. I I, I don't think they have a lot of top three players except for maybe in the O line, but I think depth wise. And as you know, this is the war of attrition and the teams that you see on August 31 may not be the same team on January one. So that's kind of, you can win ball games. That's kind of what the, that's kind of what the Eagles did in 17. They kind of out uh, uh, attritioned you. You know what I mean?
2: Yeah. And they may end up, it it may end up being the, the, the key factor that puts them in a good position in the East because depth wise, they may out uh, outlast everybody. Now, are they good enough to go deep? that's where I would, uh, I would say no at this point, but such a long season. We don't, we don't know. I just think that they're they're Uh, if I was looking at the best teams in the NFC, I, I wouldn't put the Eagles in there, but I do think that their roster is pretty deep, definitely in the NFC East. And I really look at it cause I, you know, I just, I don't like the Packers depth, although I think that they're better. I'm just thinking about it. I think the saints have good depth. Um, you know, even a team like the, the Niners that are really good and, and the Rams, uh, you know, depth-wise, uh, you know, I, I like those teams better, but I don't know that they're deeper. So I think it's an interesting discussion. Um, I don't know that it's going to get them as, as far as maybe some Eagles fans think, but I think they'll be pretty good. And who knows, maybe maybe they can win the division. I think the division is still fairly weak, um, but I think the Eagles have as good a chance as anybody.
1: I got to get to Jalen hurts here now. And I've been saying this the whole time, Chris, just because you add AJ Brown, doesn't mean you all of a sudden learn how to read defenses and offenses and understand where to throw the ball pre-snap stuff. We're only talking about six months ago where they just looked pathetic against that Buccaneer team. And with the way that the practices are right now, Chris, where you're in helmets and shorts a lot, you know, you're hearing a lot of hyperbole coming out of the Nova center where everyone is really giving kudos to everybody. But at the end of the day, this is going to come down to whether or not you think that Jalen Hurts is a guy who could take advantage of Devontae Smith and A.J. Brown and Dallas Goddard. Do you believe he's that guy?
2: I'm not convinced that he is. I don't know that they're a, they're, he's a good enough passer. I think they've got to camouflage some of it with, you know, getting them outside the pocket. And I think, you know, you've got to win there with the run game. I think you've got to uh, work with the boot game. I think you got to work with the with the high percentage passes. I think him winning from in the pocket consistently, uh working the vertical game, um working you know the timing routes that that's not his strength. So I think you just have to kind of you have to kind of play it um you know in a in a way that is like any good coach does Work to his strength, which again is to make some plays outside the pocket, give him half field reads. That's what you have to do. I I think that's, you know, not unlike some teams have to work it. I think that Baltimore is another example of that. Uh, has to do some of that. So you're going to have to play really well around him. I think you can win with Galen. I don't think he's a guy that's going to win for you. Um, kind of carrying a team on his back as a passing team. You know, and
1: chris, I, i'm 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 so happy that you said rolling him on half the field so it gives him a better chance being able to read defenses. Bill Walsh told me that years ago, even people like Joe Montana, that was one of the reasons that when Montana was young in his career, held the the pass in the back of the end zone to Clark was him rolling right because Walsh always believed that, hey, let's let him learn how to read half the field before the whole field. And so, like, I would expect to see a lot of movement and right. Creating passing lanes with Shane Steichen, who's now the play caller um, to get him acclimated into passing, because if they sit him back there, Chris, and a seven step drop, I think it's a nightmare situation. Cause I don't think he's good enough to do that yet.
2: Well, it's, it's the, the timing aspect of a seven step drop. That's not a real fit for his style. And and quite frankly, for a long time, it wasn't for Montana. You're right. They they worked him on half-field reads for most of three years in San Francisco. Um, that's when you develop quarterbacks. Now you throw them in and you say go and, you know, you got to get something done in half a season or you're a bust. It's, it's not reality. It takes about 20 starts, you know, uh, to really evaluate a quarterback, good or bad. But I, I don't know that that's ever where you want to go with somebody like Jalen Hurts um, as, as a pure drop back, I think you can do certain things off play action, but I think a lot of the West Coast stuff, I mean, I look, I mean, I I think that's some of what they're going to have to do in San Francisco with their young quarterback, Trey Lance, but he may have some ability, some better pocket skills down the road that might be have a little bit more potential, but yeah, I don't think you ask him to do a whole lot of that. And I don't think you run that type of offense. I think that's, that they're going to, that they're going to play it, Uh, to his strengths and that's what you have to do if you if this is who you're going to ride with you gotta you gotta accentuate what a guy does well and and that's what i think he can do better
1: this is where i think their advantage with what they've done in the offseason here by building this roster up and putting more talent on at the eagles taking a look at the rest of the nfc east here i mean the cowboys am i right chris i mean aging in the o-line zeke is not the player he was four years ago which takes away from play action for Dak. You lose now his security blanket with Amari Cooper. You've got injuries all over the wide receiver positions where even Tony Pollard is now out in the flanks out there in the slot catching passes. I mean, how do you see the Cowboys um, as they get ready for the upcoming season?
2: Yeah. Speaking of depth, this is a team that's never had really good depth. They haven't really done a very good job over history, allocating funds the right way. They, they, they tend to stargaze and they, they tend to have some players that are really good. Um, but they, they don't have a lot of options when those guys go down or another way to go around and beat you. So, I mean, if you look at all things kind of falling in place, which they rarely do in this league, as you well know, um, you could make a case for Dallas, but it's already started off bad. And I, I don't, I don't uh, really like their chances. and, you know, a lot of it gets thrown on um, the coach, whoever the coach is. And now it, – it, but there's there's limitations there you have as a roster. And then there are limitations with regard to kind of what I call football culture. You know, the players there, um, you know, they, they they know the buck doesn't stop with the head coach. And that's a problem. So, you know, they – the The accountability factor among players it's different because it, in most teams we saw we've seen this in, in Washington for years when Dan Snyder was was very involved and if you if if the buck doesn't stop with the head coach you got a problem and I think their accountability factors which led to it and that's why you know people criticize the coaches well you're not going to get a coach that is a proven disciplinary and the buck stops with me type of guy, that's going to take that job because it just doesn't work. So uh, I think they, those are the limitations, but, but when, you know, they, when they, if things are clicking right, they can go through stretches, but there's no consistency there because there's not that good foundation uh, of a football or operation. Uh, It's, it's one of the, the, the glitzy glamor, you know, organizations that uh, that doesn't have a lot of sup- substance, I, or I guess as they would say in in Texas, it is it uh, all hat, no cattle, or whatever that term is. <laughs> it it fits. It fits literally and figuratively there.
1: Chris, let me let me go back um, something on the Eagles here and ask you about Howie Roseman. Is it possible that a guy can learn? Because after getting the three-year contract extension from the owner and after they jettisoned Doug Peterson, it's his ship now. I mean, this is his boat. He's hired the assistant coaches. He's hired the personnel people inside the building. And what I've seen that he's done, his mistakes, he tries covering for him. He'll go out in free agency and get A.J. Brown because he bombed on the Rager deal. Or he'll, like the Ed Rusher, Derek Barnett, complete bomb. They go out and get Hassan Redick. And you see how economically sound that he is. He's getting these guys. And by the way, they're like the, like the sixth youngest team now because they jettisoned all these 30 year old guys off the team. And they got a lot of young guys on the football team. My point is, I guess Howie just seems like a different guy since he's been given that three year contract now. And there's no Doug Peterson in the building. I mean, am I right?
2: Well, here's the thing about uh, and And they're, we seen more and more of those type of guys in the league. Howie's not a, from a football background. so he is really good as an administrator. He listens or it, it, when he's been successful he, he listens to the football people the coaches basically kind of run the draft. you now Howie you know comes across as a guy running because he's telling you about all that but Howie can't go and sit there and look at film and say, no I, I disagree with you receiver coach. this guy's better. he wouldn't know one from the other. But when he listens and he gets the good information and he and he makes it correctly, it, it works. the The problem is, and, and it's fine to work that way. I grew up differently. I wanted as many good football people in the building as possible to have independent decisions. I don't give a flip if I don't want you to go on the other side of the the building see what the coaches is thinking, because then there's no independent thinkers. Then you all go down a, a darn, you know, path. And, you know, I want somebody to sit there and say, whoa, 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 whoa. W- we don't see these guys correctly. That's not, that's how you can avoid Len Jalen Rager over JJ Jefferson. You don't have enough football with, with, when you have a GM, that's not a football guy, all the GM can do is do what he can do. And that's organize and administrate. I, I tend to think while it is a business, football is a business, it's the business of football. So I want somebody that really has a strong background in scouting and evaluating that can sit there and hold up and have enough, you know, credentials to where it holds up in the room. And Nothing about the, the power. I mean, I you wouldn't want somebody who's not a good evaluator of talent to overrule somebody who is. So he doesn't really do that. So, and, and you see guys like that, and some of it has success, but it only has success if you have a lot of good people that can play that role for you, um, which is why it's going to be more hit or miss. It's not going to be as consistent. I think, you know, the times they've drafted pretty well. Mainly it's because, I mean, I'm going to be honest with you, it, it there's no – I felt the same way about John Elway. John Elway had no background in coaching or scouting, but John did work some in administration. But other than recruiting Peyton Manning to come to the Broncos, what did he do? I mean, Foxy and 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 those guys and uh, Del Rio ran the drafts and got him Vaughn Miller and do, made those decisions. It was Elway that kind of pulled the the trigger on the seven quarterbacks or so that he tried Paxton to draft. Paxton Lynch's they were of awful. The
1: world. All them but guys. The,
2: the point is, is you know, now that's a difference. You know, people recognize well, Harry Roselman doesn't have. Foot. Well, John Elway, who knows quarterbacks better than John Elway? Well, every evaluator that's had experience doing it, because being a great quarterback, maybe one of, maybe the best of all time, one of them doesn't make you a great evaluator. So so it's not just a, you know, because I get this a lot of times. Well, you come from a coaching and scouting background, Landry, so you don't really like it. It's not that I just like people. I like people with analytics and business. I want to have that in the building. But I want to have people to me that are ultimately going to be heavily intoned with making the decision to have to be able to go in the room and say, no, 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 I think we got this wrong. And that matters how we can't go in the room and say that nobody takes him seriously as an evaluate. He doesn't evaluate. That's not what he does. He comes with an opinion on a player based upon what he hears, not what he can see on film. And that's just, just a reality. It's not being, I don't mean it to sound rude. I'm, I'm not a, I've done a lot of contracts in this league. I'll be honest with you, Dan. I wasn't great at it. I didn't have a lot of patience, and I didn't like dealing with agents. So, I mean, I just—you know—I mean, it just wasn't my strength. Um, I—I I think Howie's is. I think Howie's is listening to your football team, uh, football people tell him this is where the value is, and I think he and I think Banner was that way too. You know, let's let's get these guys under the contract based upon what the football people say, and I think they were very good at that.
1: And I think that's what Joe Douglas reminds me of also that in, with the Jets. He 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 comes from that, and Andrew Barry too, you know, in Cleveland. These guys, they look like the same clones of that, where that's why you see a lot of hit and misses with, with Howie's drafts. I mean, look, Chris, I'll even go here with you. Look at the 2020 draft. I mean, everyone's talking about the last two years. You and I know this. You truly get a true evaluation on a draft three years removed from it. Not two minutes from it, and so when you're looking at that two thousand, I mean, Jalen, Jalen Rager. There's some other dude. I mean, very few guys. are from that draft or even on the team still.
2: Yeah, and here's the thing. If and it's great. I I I always approached it as a collaborative effort with the coaches, but it was it was a an effort of two people doing w- w- looking separately. That's the same players with the same type of credentials to evaluate. But if you're, you have to listen, if you're the type that have to listen to other people in the building to tell you, well, then what happens when those people leave, they get other jobs, they got new position coaches. Well, all of a sudden the different, well, you, you, all of a sudden, what you did before doesn't really fit, doesn't really work. That's why having somebody that is a stable force, that's going to be there. If you're going to have a GM, he's going to be there. It's, you know, so all right, you 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 lose your you lose your coordinator, you lose a couple of position coaches, then all of a sudden you got a completely different critical factors of how to evaluate a player at that position because the GM is not a football guy and they've got everything down from underneath them kind of filters through it. Here's the other thing: is you know, I I like my head coach to be a guy that can coach the coaches, Dan, that can go in and and say to my D line coach, Dan, hey Dan, you know, here's what I'm seeing. And 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 you know, have the respect of that. Well to me, I want, this is me now. I want my GM to be able to scout the scouts and coach the scouts. How are you going to grow and develop and get continuity in evaluating if your top quote unquote evaluator is not an evaluator? And that, that's where I think it's difficult. So it's kind of like, okay, you can throw a head coach in a – I mean, you know, Jimmy Johnson's a great example. Yeah, he had great coaches with him. But, boy, he could, he could sit there and he could kind of rein in a Butch Davis or a Wani or somebody. You know what I mean? Yeah. He had been there. And he was really good at it. Um, he wasn't a figurehead guy. Well, I think GMs, that if you're going to have good GMs, you've got to have people that have been a scout, have been on the road, that knows how to evaluate players. That that maybe been a pro personnel director, although and been good at it. Because just because you've done it doesn't mean you're good at it. But be good at it to where you're not just well. What do you think? But it is all right. What you think? But then you also know how to evaluate it because you've done what they've done. If it's which, what do you think? If I ask somebody on the football side what they think, I can relate. But if I ask him about things I don't know about, you know, then that becomes a, a big problem. I think that's what happens with some of these folks.
1: How about this? Finally here, um, Carson Wentz, what are you expecting in Washington? You know what? I, I, I was listening to somebody earlier today. There was a stretch last year when you watched Wentz play from maybe week four to week 14 where you could have made the argument he was one of the better quarterbacks in the NFL – When you look at the numbers, 27 touchdowns, seven picks, 94 quarterback rating. And then you had these enormously awful moments like you had in the Titans game where you see maybe the worst eight minutes in the history of football with, you know, the pick six, or you watch the last two games of the year, Chris. Um, This kid's got talent. Um, Why can't he put it all together? What's, What's the missing ingredient, do you think, in Carson Wentz repertoire that he just can't fix
2: it. I think the parallels that I see in guys like Carson and others that have been similar have talent, but can you produce consistently? Comes under a number of different areas. Well, it's maybe instability in organizations, um, and how good of a team you are around them. When I look at the the development and the growth of players. Let's look at the good ones that have turned out well. Let's take like a Josh Allen of Buffalo, Patrick Mahomes of the Jets. I think Justin Herbert's getting there. And there are others, but just throw out those three. What's a common denominator? Teams are pretty good. Teams are well coached. There's some stability. And there's growth. Wasn't always good, but there was a slow, steady growth. And I think what happens with quarterbacks, I think we've seen this with Matthew Stafford. Matthew Stafford looked a little different last year, didn't he? No, you bet. Better coaching. Well, uh, yeah, yeah, and a better team. So when you're with the Detroit Lions and you're trailing by 17 points in the third quarter, what are you gonna do, Dan? I mean, you're, you're, you're. He's going to ingrain in bad habits. He's going to try to make a play, make something that's not there, and he. May, well, why did he make a bad decision? Because he's trying to make a play. You know, he's not worried about losing by 17. He's trying by, by losing more than 17. He's trying to figure out a way to win a game. I think this happens at times. So with a guy like Wentz, they've got to get better around him. And they've got to, look, they've got to coach the bad plays out of him. You know, you've and basically the way you do it is, look, you know, throwing the football up for grabs in the edge is not the play we ever want. Okay, and I get it. You know, I mean, it's fourth down and it's the last – I I get that, but let's play the game. Just don't try to be a hero and build off the good things. But you've got to have good protection. You've got to have a good running game to balance. You've got to have good route progressions. You've got to have good defenses and special teams to put you in good field position. You know, a lot of times a good series and a bad series is – play calling and play calling has a lot to do with field position and your trust in your defense. I don't think people look at that enough. They tend to separate offense and defense. You know, this, how that they work together. They're separate that work together. They're tied to one another, how you play one side affects how you play another. I don't know that there's a fix there. I mean, you know, I I, I wouldn't want to put him on a team. Like if I had a, if I had a contender and I needed to to win a big play, I don't I don't know that he's ready yet because I, don't, I I think he's been improperly prepared to this point. I think they're trying to create some stability, but I still look at the roster and I see a good defensive line, but still not a very good defense overall that's good enough. I don't see enough components. An offensive line that's got some talent. So I, I just think that's the key is create that stability and improve coaching and We'll see if they can they can provide that. I think too many guys in your ear. It just it it just it retards the development of any young player. Chris, where can
1: people get your work? Because the upcoming season, I can't wait to see how this year is gonna play out, man. I mean, especially on the NFC side where I think it's wide open for so many people. How can they get a hold of your stuff?
2: Landryfootball.com. Uh it's a coaching and scouting perspective on the NFL, on college football. We break down play, we break down players, teams, coaches, schemes at both the college and NFL level. It's like having your own scouting department, coaching department for less than a magazine subscription. So check it out. All the game breakdowns, all the team breakdowns. Um, we also you can also get all our podcasts there as well. So check it out. We if you like football, we think you'll love landryfootball.com.
1: Absolutely. Chris, we've been friends for a long time. You know I turn to
2: you. Thank you so much, my friend. Thank you. Enjoy the start of the season. We'll talk soon. You got it. That is
1: my friend Chris Landry. Don't forget LandryFootball.com. See, Chris is from an old school like I am. And again, maybe this is part of the issue here that I still have is because, again, I still believe until someone shows me that you have to win football games and meaningful football games from the pocket. That's not necessarily saying that Jalen is not going to be. And by the way, I think we're seeing more of these style of quarterbacks coming out of college now. And I think you're seeing a lot of these young coaches really turn more towards the college game. And building those offenses around the talented kids that we see that are coming out of the college ranks. I I, I understand that. But if you look at the postseason last year, who were the successful teams and who were the successful quarterbacks that were still standing? They were the drop back guys, the traditional guys that win games from the pocket. That's not saying they're not building something different and filling it. Can they do it? We're surely going to find out starting September 11th. We are totally going to find it. My problem, though, is, is that throughout this entire offseason, they have baby Jalen Hurts so much that we're under this guise that he is an established guy. He's not. I would make this point. Justin Herbert's not an established quarterback yet. I would say, who else? Uh, I I would say Joe Burrow is established because he established himself last year as a winner. Okay? You want to hear something crazy? I don't really think Kirk Cousins has established himself. Because you got to win games. Hey, if that notion is... Jalen's got to win games that matter. Kirk Cousins does too. That's just not centric on Jalen. That's on anybody who is considered one of the quarterbacks that is the establishment of the National Football League. Russell Wilson is an established quarterback who has to have a rebound season for what? for people still to remain and think he is an established guy. He's coming off a subpar year for him. Okay? Kyler Murray is not established. I don't give a shit how much money. Deshaun Watson. Hey, your paycheck doesn't make you established. Your resume does. Absolutely. There is no question. Name? Name? Kyler Murray's not an established guy. He hasn't done shit for me to sit there and go, that guy wins big games. He has not. He has not. Patrick Mahomes is an established quarterback. Okay? He's an established guy. That's why they move off of Tyreek Hill. By the way, I'm going to tell you, I think Travis Kelsey suffers massively this year, and I think those numbers go south. So in the last five years, you lose Kareem Hunt, 17% of your offensive production, and now you lose your speed merchant, Tyree Kill, and now you just have Travis Kelsey to throw the ball to, which is not a bad option. Still considered the best tight end in, in the game. But, I mean... If anybody thinks that offense is going to remain the same, there's going to be a th- they're going to have to win games differently. All right, please hit the like button. Don't forget my friends. Our friends at Morgan & Morgan, where the fee is free means this, they do not get paid unless you do. For the people is not a slogan, it's who they are. This is who John Morgan's company Morgan & Morgan are. Make no mistake about it, the biggest law firm in the United States of America is there to protect you and your family. To the tune of $13.5 billion over the last 30 years, 800 attorneys and offices in Philly, New York, and in Florida are ready to do battle for you. That's right, call them at 800-512-1600. That's 800-512-1600. And when you call Morgan & Morgan, do me a favor, tell them Big Sills sent you.
3: When choosing a lawyer for your injury case, you may ask, does the size of the law firm matter? Well, of course it does. The insurance company, they're huge with unlimited resources. And whether your case is big or small, they're built to bully you out of the money you're owed. But here's the good news. We're big too, the biggest actually. And we're built to bite to make them pay for all that was taken from you. Size is our strength. There's only one Morgan & Morgan, forthepeople.com.
4: Go passionately, go fearlessly, go confidently,
0: go, birds.
4: <clears throat> go confidently towards your goals with First Trust, Philly's hometown bank for nearly 90 years, and the official bank of the Philadelphia Eagles. We're focused on getting you over the goal line, so go with conviction, go with trust, Go birds. and go forward with us by your side. First Trust Bank, the official bank of Philadelphia dreams. Oh, and go Birds.
5: a philadelphia treasure
6: he's a mentor a pace setter
5: jim is my north star he's trusted revered appreciated
6: he is action news
5: he's compassionate honest and fair
6: he is extremely dedicated motivated and always seeking the truth
5: he's also funny we are a team of many
6: jim gardner is our leader and we're lucky to have him at Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass. Free. You're telling me that
1: bottle is cut in half?
6: You could say that.
5: Go for the pulls and the pools. Go for the ooze and the ahs. Go for the bubbles
1: to National Football Show. It's your boy, Big Silk. Please hit the like button. We appreciate everybody coming aboard. By the way, we're going to play a game by the numbers. And I'm going to pick some athletes here as we're now 11 days out from the start of the NFL season. And I'm going to tell you where I see these guys potentially in this style of offense landing. You may agree or disagree, okay? Now, I'll say this to you. How many people believe, and let me ask this question again, like I asked a couple days ago. How many people think that this Philadelphia Eagle team is a true Super Bowl contending team, unproven? Are you comfortable saying that they're a Super Bowl contending team having proven nothing? Are you comfortable saying that? How many teams have you ever seen where they come from nowhere And all of a sudden, they're Super Bowl contenders. And there's not been an establishment of how they've gotten better. And they've really kind of climbed the ranks of beating the established teams. The Kansas City Chiefs had to beat the Patriots and Brady to win the Super Bowl. They had to beat New England for people to take them serious. They had to beat that team. Stafford last year and the Rams, they had to beat Brady and the Buccaneers. They had to win those games for people to take you serious. Okay? We are sitting here today on August 31, loving the talent. And by the way, this is not a pessimistic take. It's more of a conversation here where I'm having with you here going. Are we getting ahead of our skis a little bit here? Okay. Please hit the like button. I appreciate everybody coming in. 2017 was a surprise. Yeah, but if you remember right, when we had Merrill Reese on, Merrill said after that nine game win streak though, in the middle of the year, Everyone started doing what? Wow, there's something here. There's something here. Michael says they have the potential. They have not done it. And I've told you what potential is. It's code for haven't proven anything yet. Got to play the games. Hey, watch this. So you guys know. Do I feel comfortable going into the 2022 season saying that this team should make it to the NFC title game and they're the deepest team? And by the way, you notice how I phrased that last hour with Chris Landry? I didn't say they were the best roster in the NFC. I said they were the deepest. And he kind of didn't hear that, and that's why I wanted to reiterate it. I never said they're the best, but I said they're the deepest, which means this, deepest and best. What would you rather have in an 18-game NFL season? I might want the deepest because that means you can, you can withstand catastrophic injuries on your football team. Some teams out there, you lose. Watch this. If the Rams lose Aaron Donald or Jalen Ramsey, I think that team's in trouble. If the Eagles lose, God forbid, Darius Slay. Put CJ out there. It's not going to be that far of a Fall because you're deep. That's my point with the Eagles. See, I think the Eagles can beat you with Howie's roster. And I'm going to make another topic here in a second. And I don't want anybody to get their panties in a bind when I do this, too. I'm just going to ask a question here. Okay. It's no indictment here on August 31st. So don't get crazy when I do it. But I think this roster can beat more talented rosters. Not at the beginning of the year. I think you're going to wear teams out like you did in 17. That's an attitude you have to have here. Do you have the most talented wide receiver group in the league? No. You think you're really better than uh, the Buccaneers with Brady? Or you think you're better with what you're saying? Hell, even Minnesota has better wide outs. Okay, they have better wideouts. More how about this? I'll take it back. Minnesota has more productive wideouts. More production. There's more production in Minnesota than there's ever been in Philadelphia. Like ever. It's 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 a fact. Justin Jefferson, I mean, is killing it. Thielen's good. The tight end. KJ Osborne is good. The running back, Dalvin Cook, can catch the ball, and he's the 1,300-yard back. Okay? I mean, that's an offense. And they had the least amount of interceptions last year. They can move the chains. And, and you think you're beating Green Bay with Jalen Hurts. Well, well some, Michael, Michael, um, how about this? Garoppolo beat him. Jimmy G beat him. Jameis Winston, if I'm not mistaken, didn't Jameis Winston last year in Week One beat him? Right, those guys I wouldn't consider those dudes elite. They beat Aaron Rodgers last year. How you figure Minnesota has a better wideouts? Can you, dude? AJ Brown is not in the room of Justin Jefferson, stats wise. He's got 200 catches in two years. 3,000 yards in two years, Hawk. A.J. Brown's never had over 70 catches. Over 1,100 yards in his entire three years in Tennessee. He's not better than Jefferson. And Thielen has put up the same numbers that Devontae's put up. The back is better, and the quarterback's better. How about this? I'll take it back. The quarterback is more productive. We have two number ones. Prove it. Again, potentially you're talking name. See, this is all potential talk. Minnesota has put up numbers. They've put up numbers. Justin Jefferson's put up numbers. Okay, dude. Even Xander's like, come on, guys, don't be blind. And by the way, I want to make sure that I roll it back, so you know what I think of AJ. I think AJ Brown's a top ten wide receiver. I said it here. Hey, Jefferson. Jefferson, by the end of the season, will be the best quarterback in the national foot or the best wide receiver in the National Football League. I have no doubt about that, unless he gets hurt. Justin Jefferson's going to go for 115, 120, and 1,600 yards this year. You don't have a guy on your team near that. Not close. You'll maybe get a guy with 1,200 yards this year. Maybe. Philly, yes. Yes. Philly D, absolutely. I agree with that. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Great take. Great take. Absolutely phenomenal take. Playing in domes does help statistics. Yes, it does. Yes, it does. I I am a firm believer in that myself. Philly D? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Completely agree with that take. says Howie Roseman is top three and not three. Um, how's that 2020 draft looking? What do you think about that that 2020 draft? Three years removed. I took a look at it today. That's usually when you get an evaluation on a particular draft. What do you make of that 2020 draft? Jalen Hurts is in that, by the way. 2020 Eagles NFL draft. Let's take a look at that. Since Rager's now been moved, Jalen Rager, number 21, no longer with the team. Jalen Hurts, second round, still incomplete. Davion Taylor. Kayvon Wallace. Jack Driscoll, who I like. John Hightower. Sean Bradley. Quez Watkins in the sixth. That's a good pick. If I were re drafting Quez, I'd say Quez is probably a third round draft choice. I'd say you could put Quez in the third. So they got a steal there at six. See how I am here? I'm not dissing on it yet. The rest of these guys are nobodies. But I would say this to you, that 2020 draft, see. Last two years have been good. Yes, sir. Okay? What about putting together a Super Bowl-winning roster? Absolutely. We're also talking about drafting, too, though, right? Okay? You just lost a first-round pick for a seventh-rounder. Okay, I know, watch this. You notice how he did it too. He made sure he traded Jalen Rager after he solidified the roster and put him on the active roster. He probably could have made this deal with Minnesota four days ago. But he did it after the fact where everyone's giving him kudos for building this roster. Rightfully so. I said it yesterday too. No question about it. It's pretty smart, though, how he puts these little landing pads out there, though. So that some of the mistakes that he makes aren't as glaring. Watch this. Do you love the Super Bowl roster he's built more than losing Jalen Rager for a seventh rounder? Absolutely. You still, in the back of your mind, remember it. But it's not quite as significant. It's not as significant because you know why? I'd rather have the roster, too. I'm with you. I'm not... I'm talking here. We're having a conversation. But the Rager, the Rager move now gets put in the wash. Because he goes and goes like this. Look, I got the starting guy from the Saints. With the move that I made with J-Jaw going to Seattle and Tennessee. It's pretty impressive. I said it yesterday, and it's even more so today. Okay. Phillyapolis, I think being a good general manager, I don't think Howie Roseman's a very good talent evaluator. I think he is learning how to put good people around him. When you see people like Joe Douglas and Andrew Barry getting jobs, and you see people like uh, White Elf coming from the Eagle organization too and going up and being an assistant now to the general manager in Pittsburgh, that's a testament to Howie that he is listening to his people in the building which is awesome. That's a GM. That's a general manager. A general manager, a true general manager is organizing it all, putting it all together and making it happen. His forte is capology. And it's played out with this roster he's built. Dude, unless you guys are depth, I said it's the best. i take it back. It's the deepest roster in the NFC. Unless some of you don't listen. I know Michael J. Jaw got cut. That's the beauty of it. Okay? Well, Philippos, you can say he's top three. I think he's in the top five. I think what the guy does uh, less need in Los Angeles, I think it's unbelievable. Mickey Loomis has a Super Bowl, too. There's a boatload of talent, and the Eagles like doing business with the Saints. John Robertson in Tennessee is a hell of a, a hell of a general manager. Okay, I mean, there's a lot of good GMs. Steelers are notoriously great at evaluating talent and developing it, especially the wideout position. A position that the Eagles fail at. But again, yes, a lot of people end up making mistakes. It's not just isolated. Jalen Rager is not an isolated miss by a GM in Philly. Look at how about this? Look at Steve Kime. So he drafts Josh Rosen in the first round out of UCLA. He's got to go to Michael Bidwell and he's got to tell him, hey, I effed up. Let's go get Kyler Murray next year. And he's got to go in there eating crow to the owner who gave that guy, Josh Rosen, a boatload of signing bonus money, and he's got to go in there with his with his hat in his hand going, hey, I messed this up. I would rather miss up on a, on a wide receiver like Jalen Rager than have to go to my owner and go, hey, I effed up on the quarterback big time. And then have to tell the owner, hey, we're going to have to do it again this year. Hey, I get, yeah. Yeah, I give him the the onions that he had to go in there and do that. And I give also Arizona the onions for drafting a quarterback in the next year. Okay? It's not the best. L.A. Rams, it's not the best roster. It's the deepest roster. Manser. How he's had bad drafts, a lot of teams have had bad drafts. Last two have been good. Les need is a hell of a court is, is a hell of a coordinating general manager. They had to move off Jeff Fisher. He sucked. How Jeff Fisher kept that Rams job blows my mind. You know, Frontier loved him. They love she loved him, Jeff Fisher. When that thing went to Stan Kroenke, the writing was on the wall. He was out. Look at what he did to Jared Goff, even. I mean, Sean McVay goes into Los Angeles, turns that guy into an NFC champion. I mean, right? Sean McVay is a hell of a play-calling. He is a hell of a play-calling head coach. He's right there with Andy Reid, man. And here's the difference, though. This kid's 36 years old, and he's won two NFC titles in a Super Bowl by the age of 36. That's the kind of shit that, like John Madden did. At that young age, he's 36. Man, is he a good is he a good head coach? I've known Sean McVay since he was 10 years old. It's amazing on how good he is. Unbelievable. Um, I'm going to throw this topic at you here. And let me throw this at you here. Let me get this topic here. Now, I don't want anybody to go crazy on this topic. Okay? Let me ask you this. Do you think the Eagles have enough talent? I tweeted this out. Do you think the Eagles have enough talent On the roster to win a Super Bowl in spite of an average quarterback? Do you have enough talent? Do you believe you have enough talent? GT says yes. Let's, let's, and and GT. I'm not saying that Jalen's going to get worse. I'm saying he's going to get marginally better this year. And like I said, we're going to play the game by the numbers here in a bit. And I think he is going to improve. I do. I don't think he's going to be what people think, but I do think he's going to. Is there enough talent on the team to carry them to an NFC title game? And by the end of the year, with the deepest roster in the league, My opinion. Not even Chris Landry wanted to agree with me. That's okay. They won with Nick Foles. I'm starting to believe that how he looks at the quarterback position now, do you think he thinks it's a priority to win? Having won with Foles, but knows if you have a roster, that can get you there. And who knows if you get there, nobody on the right mind thought Nick Foles was going to outplay the greatest player in the history of the league. Nobody. But because of the depth of the roster, O-line, D-line, I told you this before. I think the Eagles, in my opinion, I think the Philadelphia Eagles, if you go back and you take a look at that 2017 team, Best combination of O-line, D-line I've seen since the Steelers of the 70s. It was the best combination. Deep, strong, tough. Knock your ass into the ground. Fletcher was in his prime. The whole deal, man. That team beat up the New England Patriots to a point where there was white flags being raised. You don't have to have a great quarterback. Awesome game. Yeah, Brady just happened to be great mentally average talent. Teams win Super Bowls, not the quarterback. Really. So you think if you have a mediocre quarterback, that's as a majority of the time, you think average quarterbacks win Super Bowls. And I know because you've been blinded with foals. Let's take a look at that. Oh, well. Stafford's not average. Stafford, Brady. Right? Peyton Manning, Aaron Rodgers, Brett Favre. Go down the list. Ben Roethlisberger, Eli. Over the last 20 years, you really think consistently you win Super Bowls with average quarterbacks? There's the Joe Flackos of the world and the Nick Foles' yes, but you're not going to be winning Super Bowls on a continual basis with Nick Foles. And the Eagles knew that. That's why they dumped him. They knew that. Uh, But, Jeff, you can say whatever you want about Eli, and believe me, I've never been an Eli guy. Eli's one of the hottest. Drew Brees, too, I mean, right? Eli Manning, to me, He's one of the hottest quarterbacks you can ever face in a postseason. When that guy gets on a streak, it's unreal. This guy, in my opinion, if you really want to look at it, who would you take in the postseason? Peyton Manning or Eli Manning? I don't know. Peyton's numbers are dramatically lesser in the postseason than they are in in the postseason. Now I'll say this to you. Eli didn't have to play against Tom Brady in the postseason. It's like Tiger Woods and Phil Mickelson. Hey, Phil just happened to be in the era of of Tiger Woods, right? I mean, sometimes if you're Carl Malone and you know you're you're Clyde Drexler, you're just in the era of Jordan. It's what it is, right? No coaches can scheme dudes open, but if Hurts doesn't hit them consistently and on time, it won't matter. Foles didn't outplay Brady. He threw for 505 yards. I don't know, man. He kept them drives going. And to me, you know, Tom Brady throws for 505 yards. Isn't it, though, my eyeball test that Foles outplayed him? I don't know. Okay, so he wins the Statistic War. To me, whenever I think of that Super Bowl, That 2017 championship team, I always do this. Foles outplayed him. I don't know. (laughs) My eyeball test goes Foles played better in that game than than Brady did. Yeah, but Brady threw for 500 yards. Yeah, well, it never really looked that way to me. It always looked to me that Foles was outplaying him. I don't know. You're right. You have everything on your side with the stats, but I come away from that Super Bowl going, I don't know, man. I thought Foles outplayed him. I just thought Foles outplayed him. It just looked different to me. You know, and you're right. He threw for 500 yards. He had all, he had everything going, you know, everything. The media was, love. I, I, every time I think of that Super Bowl, I always go like this. I don't know, man. Foles looked like, to me, he outplayed Tom Brady in that. It just, it was just different, you know? And you're right, dude. You're right. He has all the stats. Bill got outcoached, Brady was the best player. Okay? Eli kicked Brady's ass in the Super Bowl. <laughs> Dude, twice. You hey, Joseph, you mean twice. <laughs> not not once. Right? <laughs> not once, twice. So you believe this team is good? here, can I tell you this? I do too. Probably shocked you when I said this. I think the Eagles, with Jalen Hurts getting better, 5%, 1%, 2%, is going to be good enough to get to the NFC title game. I said it in the first hour, and I'll say it again to you. It's all going to come down to Miles Sanders' health. They don't have a running back back there that can help him. It'll look like last year.
0: Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson natural boneless chicken breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.
1: Last year's team. It'll look like last year's team. Jalen hurts. Won't finish the year. You can't have that kid go into another season being the focal point in the running game. There's not an elite quarterback. That's playing this year. That is the focal point of the running attack, except in two places. Baltimore and in Philadelphia. And Baltimore is not a Super Bowl favorite because they're in the AFC. They're not beating Joe Burrow like that. They're not beating Patrick Mahomes like that. Even though I do think Kansas City walks back a bit. Okay? And I do think also the Eagles are in an they're in a place right now where the quarterback doesn't have to be elite to get them to the NFC title game. Like Dak's going to put up better numbers than Jalen. But if Jalen plays this right and everybody plays up to their capability this year, Jalen will get to the NFC title game. The Cowboys won't even make the playoffs. I don't believe the Cowboys make the playoffs. I, you know, I have everybody telling me that Dallas is formidable this year. Where do you see that? Where do you see Dallas as formidable? Now, I will say this. I, I wrote a stat down here about the Cowboys and the Eagles here. Where is that stat? The Eagles have not swept the Cowboys in 11 years. And the Cowboys have beaten you seven of the last 10 times at Lincoln Financial. Your whole season revolves around Dallas. If Jalen can carry his team to beating Dallas, you have to beat the Cowboys at least split. If you don't, you won't win the division. Okay. You won't. Dallas Has players, too. I think they're overhyped and overrated. Somebody asked me, what do I think of Dak Prescott? Top 15? I think he has empty calorie stats. Someone asked me about C.D. Lamb. I don't know. C.D. Lamb or Devontae Smith? I don't know. Seemed like a push to me. A.J., Kind of offsets that they got a better crew than Dallas does. Their tight ends better than Dallas. And get this, you want to hear something else? Miles Sanders versus Ezekiel Elliott. Who you who do you have? I I I'll take Miles Sanders. Miles' problem is obviously staying out of the out of the tub. Right? I just, I mean, you got to beat Dallas. This all comes down to the Cowboys. I'm going to play by the numbers here. And I've circled some players by the numbers. What, what, what are we now? 11, 11 days out from the start of the season. You may agree or you may disagree, but I'm going to show you by the numbers. And we're going to do this together here. And we're going to put this down on paper and see how this thing plays itself out. You know, we're going to start writing some receipts here. All right. Hey, don't forget, my friends at Morgan & Morgan, where the fee is free, meaning this, if you're hurt or injured on the job. Understand, my friends, that for the people is not a slogan. It is, again, one thing that you'll understand. They're in this to make sure that you get your fair compensation for you and your family. And they've been doing it for 30 years. That's who Morgan & Morgan is. You give, give them a call at 800-512-1600. That's 800-512-1600. Over 800 attorneys strong. In offices in Philly, New York, and in Florida, make them the biggest attorney firm in the country. Call them again at 800-512-1600. It's 800-512-1600. And when you call Morgan & Morgan, do me a favor.
3: Tell them Dan Cilio sent you. After a car crash, the big insurance companies you see advertising on TV, they may try to downplay your case and you might say it's only a fender bender or it's just a herniated disc. I worry that some law firms fall for this BS, not us. We put ourselves in your shoes and ask, what would it be like to be in your pain for the rest of our lives? A million dollars wouldn't be enough for me. There's only one Morgan & Morgan, for the People.com.
5: treasure
6: he's a mentor a pace setter
5: jim is my north star he's trusted revered appreciated
6: he is is action news
5: he's compassionate honest and fair
6: he is extremely dedicated motivated and always seeking the truth
5: he's also funny we are a team of many
6: jim gardner is our leader and we're lucky to have him at Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass, free. You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that.
5: Go for the pulls And the pools. Go for the ooze And the ahs. Go for the bubbles
1: National Football Show. It's your boy, Big Steel. Please hit the like button. Thank you guys so much, as you always do, each and every single Monday through Friday, 3 to 6 Eastern, coming aboard here. Let me ask you this before we move on here. You think Howie already knew 95% of the roster before cuts were even supposed to get down to 53? You think before even training camp started, he knew exactly who was going to be on that football team? Sure seems it. There weren't really any surprises. Right, There were no surprises on who was going to be cut, who was going to be kept, what have you. Personally, I think Howie knew. Because the limited practice that they had in camp, helmets and shorts, the limited exhibition football, you had to know. So the true evaluation was what? What was your true evaluation when you put this roster together? By the way, I'm 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 not I'm not dumping on the roster the roster, I told you where I'm at with it. But just just for him, don't you think really how many people were surprised on the guys that were cut and capped? How many people were surprised? Okay, Huntley was a surprise for you. Blankenship, okay? You were surprised Dion Kane got cut? I think he's on the practice squad now, if I'm not mistaken, though. Sills, you're being too optimistic. I do not see Philly doing great at all. Well, I disagree with that. I think, bro, I, I told you at the beginning of this whole thing here, they have no off-ramps. That Eagle team... Has a championship roster, they better play like it in week one. I don't want to see a four-point win. If they have a four-point win, that's a disappointing first week. Okay? You win by two points against the Lions? Whoa. You better evaluate yourself. What's up? Some would go like this. Well, Sills, a win's a win. Well, you're trying to set up you're trying to set a standard in a tone. Kane Kane to the practice squad yeah I mean I because when I when I lo- went back and looked at all the the cuts and such I went like this I wasn't really surprised with anybody there wasn't really anybody that I went well you know a couple guys here like you said Blankenship Deion Kane Kane had no chance of making the team though man Rager was always gonna make it how he's just looking to cover his ass by moving him. And it's okay, and he did. And after what he's done the last couple days and the last 48 hours and how he's used sixth and seventh round draft choices to get a starter, I'm, I, 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 can't, I can't say anything negative about the guy. And I won't. Absolutely not. There is nothing wrong with that roster in Philadelphia except for the largest question mark at quarterback. That's it. There is not another question mark on that football. Running back durability. Here, watch this. Let's go through the positions. Is there a question mark on the wide receiving core? Shit, some people think there's two ones there. I happen to do too. Zach Pascal's better than I thought. Zach Pascal's actually better than I thought. And I said that in the first hour. And you got Quez. Top four guys? Yeah. Nickel package, you're gonna be pretty pretty efficient. You're not deep at tight end, but your tight end's a top five guy. You're 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 not deep there at all. Goddard goes down, you're looking for a dude. Your old line spectacular, starters and depth. You're running back again. Questionable. Questionable with durability. Took a different approach instead of drafting the guy first. He built the roster. It's already made. Hertz gets the show case first and foremost. First, if he's if not, he'll he'll move. Okay. Um the D line? Depth. I think they didn't perform. Linebackers are way better. Way better. TJ Edwards was the catalyst to that. I like that kid. He's one of my favorite Eagles. I like TJ Edwards. Guy carries a lumberyard on his shoulder. I love love that kind of guy. Hassan Reddick goes about his business. Secondary's improved mightily. I don't know about depth in the safety position. GT two and four. I'm not going to move off that. Like I said, I think they're going to have a slow start. I think they have a slow start because of that coaching staff, not because of the players. I I don't like the coaching staff. You got a training wheels coaching staff, man. That coaching staff has done less than the players have. I mean, went to the playoffs in his first year. Great. Welcome to the NFL, guy. I'm more on the coaching staff now than I am on the players. Believe that when I tell you that. Okay? Okay? No, GT. I'm still there. And then they go nine and four after the bye. I, I have not wavered off that. Brian, how you doing, brother? Who's got the better overall offense, defense? Mini or Eagles? Well, Well, the quarterback is better. The receiving core is better. Philly's got them in the tight end and in the O-line. The running back is superior. So Minnesota probably has a better offense. But they've been – how about this? I'll I'll take that back. Minnesota's been, for the last seven years – 10 times more productive than anything Philly's ever had. It's never been close when it comes to production numbers. It's going to be interesting to see how that game plays out. Week two is going to be really – I'm interested in that game. Okay? I don't think this team is that good either too young dank i'm not saying that they're not good that's not what i'm saying i don't think that about philly i do not i think they're gonna i think they're gonna win the war of attrition in the nfc this year i think they're gonna get all the way to that game and depends who they play in that game if they play aaron Rodgers or tom brady in that game they'll get dusted it'll be a good learning experience but if they get somebody else in that game they'll win that game because I think they're gonna have the horses left at the end of the season okay chalk it up sports correction Minnesota had a proven offense not better I don't know what the difference is they've proved it better they've proved it their production proves it I don't know what you- That's kind of a weird answer. Minnesota had a proven offense, not better. I I don't even know how to address that. If Jalen is progressing, he should beat the Vikes in week two. That defense is suspect in the secondary. Yes, Weaver. Agreed. Okay? Agreed. Agreed. Dreamers, um, early on, I don't think it will be as smooth as most optimistic, most optimism and most people are being optimist at the beginning of the year. Dank. Don't give me that. Ex- I'm not saying you are, but I don't want to hear that excuse. There's no excuses. They should be making T-shirts now in Philadelphia. No excuses. I don't want to hear any shit about that stuff. Okay. I would not, I don't want to hear any of that. You have no off-ramps. This football team has been constructed. And to be fair, like like I heard Barrett today. Barrett's not having it either. He's just a little more diplomatic than I am. I'm more to your point. I'm going to tell you flat out. I don't want to hear any bullshit about anything. Well, to get out, it's week one, it's this. screw that championship mentality you better have it I don't think the Lions hey I agree with Barrett I've been watching the Lions they got a long way to go Steve says Hurts better beat the Cowboys you haven't swept them in 11 years and last 10 games at the link they've beaten you seven times that's an understatement. I didn't know it was that lopsided. And shit, the one year Dak was out, you got to put that into conversation. Right? So how, they have not been successful against the Cowboys in the last decade. If you think about it. Right? I mean, 17, okay. But man, I mean, It's not been very successful. I can't believe that. You guys haven't swept them in 11 years. Then again, I think that's hard to do, especially in the NFC East. That's hard to do sweep a team because you have a common opponent like that. That's hard, man. Our secondary was not good for a long time, especially at the corners. Right? Especially at the corners. James says, Sills, so why did the Vikings not make the playoffs last year? Because they're shitty defense. Do you know, James, that they had the least amount of turnovers offensively than any team in the league? They were number one in that category. Wasn't the offense. The offense had the least turnovers of any team in the NFL last year. Least. Wasn't on the quarterback. Wasn't on Justin Jefferson. Wasn't on anybody on that offensive side of the ball. That's why they made the change from a defensive-minded head coach to an offensive-minded head coach. Because they want to get more out of that offense. And they're going to bring in a high-powered defensive coordinator to be up there in Minnesota. Mike Zimmer didn't really like throwing the ball the way they did there. Mike Zimmer wanted to actually play roughneck football like they do in Philly. If it was up to Mike Zimmer, he would have Jalen Hurts as his quarterback. Because that's how he likes to win ball games. But today's NFL, you've got to take advantage of the rules. Hey man, Nandi Asamoa was a complete train wreck in Philly. Complete train wreck. And that thing was absolutely unbelievably horrible. Okay? Mertz never plays well against the Cowboys. Well, well, Dak Prescott pretty much owns the NFC East. His record against the East is unbelievable. Okay. I mean, his, his record is incredible against that. Tom Brady said it best. The NFL has become a skills competition. You're Correct. The physicality in the sport has been taken out because you can't hit these guys any longer. Let's sign Marlon Mack from the Texans practice squad. I'd be a good move. I'm all for that. Mike Zimmer has a knockout. Why? <laughs> Way to go, Paul! Always with a good silver lining there, right? Howie as an NFL GM is like Chad Johnson working the Madden ratings. <laughs> Howie's done a great job. Hey, listen if I'm having conversation here, by the way, I'm going to go by the numbers starting at the top of the hour here. What again, Howie Roseman, a, 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 a across the board building this, the move that he made sending Rager today to the Minnesota Vikings in exchange for a 2023 seventh round pick, a 2024 conditional fourth round pick Okay. Which could end up being a fifth round pick if the numbers don't turn out. That's really, I mean, you're getting a seventh and potentially a fourth. That fourth is, that's a good pick today, man. A fourth round pick is nothing to sneeze at. And you found Jordan Mulata in the seventh. So he, he's, but you know, you know what else too? Would we agree? Guys like Quez Watkins, Nick Foles, I'll tell you one thing how he's done a pretty good job of. And I think this is a really, um, and his people inside the building. Would you not agree that they do a pretty decent job in the later round picks? There's a lot of players on that team that are later round picks. And they're productive. Sometimes when you fill your team up with later round picks, like Cincinnati used to, they're cheap. These guys are good players. Seattle did that. Cam Chancellor, other players. Hell, Michael Bennett was a guy who I think they traded with the Buccaneers. I think Michael Bennett. Remember that pass rushing defensive end they had in Seattle. I remember telling Bruce Allen when he was a general manager of the Bucks, "Don't let that guy loose, man, because he's a good pass rusher." I think that they tra- they found him on the street. I think the I think the Saints cut him. The Bucks picked him up, and they let him go. And he went to Seattle. Turned out to be a great pass rusher up there. I was like, "Don't let that guy out of the building." They built that, they built that legion of boom with late round picks. It was well constructed, well constructed. If I were Howie, I would send Sanders to Cleveland as part of a deal to get Hunt. As I said, my friend. They're not. Cleveland is not letting anyone lose. That is a formidable, formidable running back that can help them win games. That's how they're going to stay what they think is in the race. I think they'll be out of it by week six. You're not going to win games with Jacoby Brissett. Your defense is good, but it's not good enough. You'll you'll look like Chip Kelly's team by the midway point of the season. Half your team will be on IR. Half your team will be on IR because there'll be a ton of one, two, threes, and outs. There's going to be a ton of threes and outs. Hey, by the way, with the Eagles, don't be shocked if you see three and outs at the beginning of the season, too. Because I, I, I'm predicting that. There'll be a lot of threes and outs. Three and outs. Because you're going to try to throw the ball like they did a year ago. Defensive coordinators are not going to buy on it. You don't really believe that D coordinators are going to all of a sudden, because you at hey, that's a great this is, a, this is a point you need to take and understand. You don't really think D coordinators are sitting here on August 31st thinking because you added A.J. Brown that they're concerned about Jalen Hurts. You're, you don't believe that, do you? You don't believe that all of a sudden they're going to game plan him differently. You, do you? You're high if you do. See, what coordinators do, I know a ton of them. Hell, we get a shitload of them on this program. What they're going to do is they're going to jam the box in Detroit in week one. And they're going to do everything they can to stop the run. They're going to play press coverage against Devontae and AJ. And they're going to make Jalen Hurts beat you throwing the ball. This is where Dallas Goddard, in my opinion, why I'm picking him to be a guy that's going to have a huge year. The White Outs aren't going to have a huge year. They're going to have good years. The tight end's going to have a great year. I think he's going to have a great year. Like I said, we're going to go by the numbers here in a minute. It's funny. I saw Ian Book was cut by the Saints yesterday. I almost tweeted out. It's such a Howie Roseman look right there, Ian Book. (laughs) You know, I mean, it's, I, I, and I thought he – and sure enough, he ends up signing him. I, I don't mind Ian Book. I'm okay with that. I think that that kid – I think he's okay. I don't mind him on my team. i give him a shot to develop, put him on a practice squad. I, I don't have a problem with him, okay? Actually, when I saw him in games down in New Orleans, I, I thought he was okay. I didn't I – didn't, I didn't think he was horrible, man. Joseph Big Sills, with this defense – What base package should Gannon use to bring heat on the quarterback? Thanks for your show, man. Best in the business. Joseph, thank you. Joseph, for me, I love your question. This is how I do it, and this is how I was taught, okay? This is how I was always taught. I want my four guys to beat your five guys. Think about that in a bar fight. My four guys are beating your five guys. Man, I could do anything with that. I don't have to, I don't have to press coverage anybody. I could play zone. Because my four guys are getting after your ass, and they're getting you on the ground. You know why Dallas dominated the NFL during the Jimmy Johnson era? Because Charles Haley got to your quarterback. They didn't do a lot of blitzing. The Cowboys were not believers in blitzing. Why? Because they believed their four guys that beat your five guys and game. You play a thirty-four. I'm not a believer in the thirty-four defense. Just not a believer in it. I love forty-three because I want to me stars of your team are your forty-three guys. Your four guys up front in your defense. Four guys beating five guys. Man, I love that. (laughs) Dude, I mean, seriously, you go back to the huddle, and you're sitting there, and you're like, how can four guys beat five old linemen? Tell me this when you guys go back and you guys have memory brain, you guys have memory visions of what it used to be like with Gang Green when Reggie and Jerome and Clyde Simmons used to dominate in their front four. They weren't running 34, (laughs) even with Seth. They weren't running 34. They were running 43. And they were running at 46, a version of the 43. And they got after your ass with their four dudes. Albeit one of them is the greatest D lineman in the history of the sport. Okay. Swartz was a 43. I love the 43. But I, I played my entire career in the 43 until I got to Tampa, which was a 34, and I despised it. I don't think you utilize your defensive line. You're more of a slug in a thirty-four, and you think you're like. See, who, what, what group is more talented on the Eagles? The D line. You tell me before we go to timeout. What group is more talented in Philly, the D line or the linebacking core? Who do you think is more talented? I think it's your D line. I think it's your D line. Joe Maddie, Giants 43 beating the Patriots. That's right. Okay. No, no, I'm not not talking about across the team. I'm just talking about what's a, because somebody asked me, what do I prefer, 34 or 43? You could play a 43 with a wide nine, too. Line those guys up wider, get them out there, out there, and use their speed like Hassan Reddick. The D line, well, why would I put that in the hands of the linebackers with a 34? I want to hit on the Kobe Dean a little bit, too. I want to do that. We're going to go by the numbers here. Do me a favor. Hit the like button. Hour three. Love you guys are here, man. We're 11 days out from the start of the season. Keep it here on the National Football Show.
5: A Philadelphia treasure.
6: He's a mentor. A pace setter.
5: Jim is my North Star.
6: He's trusted. Revered.
5: Appreciated.
6: He is Action News.
5: He's compassionate. Honest. And fair.
6: He is extremely dedicated. Motivated. And always seeking the truth.
5: He's also funny. We are a team of many.
6: Jim Gardner is our leader. And we're lucky to have him. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass, free.
3: You're telling me that bottle is cut in half?
6: You
5: could say that. Go for the pulls. And the pools. Go for the ooze. And the ahs. Go for the bubbles.
1: three national football show it's your boy big Sills. please hit the like button thank you guys so much for coming aboard i appreciate it um it's been a very 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 interesting 48 hours for the philadelphia eagles a lot of teams in the national football league too i mean it's been really great i'm here to tell you and how i look at it now All of this is unproven. All of this is unproven. All of it. However, I feel great when you have done every single thing you possibly have done and can do if you're Howie Roseman. He's done everything he possibly could do to prepare this football team to the best of his ability. The question mark now comes into coaching, player accountability, player performance, maybe the most important things you can have. How many times have we seen teams not prepared because of poor coaching or because of poor general managers not putting the proper pieces? Howie Roseman went into the and, – and this is my assessment on where you are now on August thirty one. He went out and addressed every single need on the team to the best of his ability. They needed an edge rusher. They got it. They needed um, a star wide receiver, a veteran wide receiver. They went out and actually got one and a half with Zach Pascal. And they added him to the mix. In the process, with mistakes that get this. Here's one thing that Howie will do, or maybe not do. He'll never admit his mistakes in the draft. He admits them in his moves. But to what Xander said to me a couple days ago, and Xander's right. Hey, Sills, I'd rather have him get something out of this thing here than just sit there and let that guy get thrown into a trash can, into a pit, and we get nothing in return. He's right. He's right because the easy thing to do here, how he sucked on Jalen Rager. Well, He's not the only guy that has failed. Bill Belichick had Nikhil Harry. That thing went completely south immediately. At least with Jalen Rager, you were like, I don't know, man. I see some... Nikhil Harry, I never saw him as a good player. He couldn't get separation off the line of scrimmage at any time in his career. I was like, that guy's not a good football player. You knew immediately. Even Brady knew it. Everyone's like, this guy's not the best. Okay? Um, Dean should use this whole year to bulk up and learn from TJ and Kaiser. I'm going to get to him, N'Kobe Dean here in a second. So I'm going to finish up with Howie here. So Howie Roseman, at the end of the day, a complete a complete a draft getting tuned look what he's done there's not a move you can criticize him for over the last 18 months getting rid of carson wentz getting first rounders out of that getting them off the books zach Pascal, another novelty move that looks like he might be something actually Kaiser White, I think the Chargers are going to regret letting him go. You want to know that? Hassan Raddick, the Eagles figure they know how to utilize him. Last two teams didn't know how to. Eagles are going to try to, even though I don't believe in Jonathan Gannon. I think it's a great sign. The Bradbury sign. All these, CJ, just got from the Saints. All of this stuff has been smartly done smartly done now it's on the coaches i'm going to get to that we're going to go by the numbers here in a minute okay we're going to go by the numbers here i want to say this about nicobe dean i think nicobe dean has had a slow start to his nfl career i think it's harder to get better today because of the lack of practice time i don't know if it's on him but he, he, he's behind Jordan Davis isn't now you have to know more in my opinion coverages linebackers have to cover tight ends backs out of the backfield blitzes fronts strength and weaknesses when it comes to what side of the field you've got to really put your deep you're kind of like the quarterback out there and it's more complex than saying in college but I think the Kobe Dean is behind the game a little bit. Can he catch up? Yes. And, and by the way, I'm not sitting here on August 31 going, the kid doesn't look like a, play- I'm, there, there's nowhere I'm saying that. But to be a true evaluator and look at him, I say this to you. He needs to get bigger. He looks like a bigger version of a safety. John Lynch looks as big. When John Lynch played, he looked that big. He's not a very stout guy. I thought he had moments in the Jets game where he filled the hole well, knocked a tight end on his ass. I thought he played. But, you know, I mean, I, I, I when I watch him, he looks like he's behind. But that's a common thing. Okay? Name goes, who does Dean remind me of? I told you this before. He kind of reminds me of Derek Brooks a little. Derrick Brooks was 205 pounds when he came out of Florida State. He's 6'2". He's a little bigger height-wise. And Derek was not a big guy. But Derek could get down the sideline, and he's smart as hell. And I'm not saying that Kobe's not smart. I'm just saying right now, to me, maybe the defense is a little bit complex. Hey, if Fletcher Cox was bitching about the defensive scheme last year, Don't you think a rookie's going to bitch about it or maybe not understand it? You had an experienced defensive tackle, not like what was being told to them last year, and Fletcher stood up to his credit. So don't you think that a young linebacker, as talented of a defense that he played on last year at Georgia, may also have a little struggles? I mean, I I look at the whole storyline here okay Kaiser White's about 220. he's a baller though man he runs that. he gets after folk. okay London Fletcher Fletcher's a thick dude played a long time 14 15 years man I I, I, I think Fletcher's a more of a thick dude okay? Steve says Hertz might be the next guy gone from the 2020 draft. Well, I mean, and look at that 2020 draft. It's not really impressive. Three years ago, you look at it. Last two years have been really good for it, Howie, but there's barely anybody on the football team from that 2020 draft. And that's usually when you start evaluating what a draft what a draft did for your team three years out. Okay, that's how you look at a draft. You don't do it three minutes out. You don't do it a year out. About three years, you look at what those guys' impacts are on your football team, and that 2020 draft is not a lot of impact. Now, if the quarterback turns out to be a $40 million guy, all bets are off because he find a franchise guy. I don't give a shit who you drafted in that draft. (laughs) Okay? If Jalen Hurts turns out to be a 4,500-yard passer with 30 touchdowns, and nobody else is on the team. Who cares? You know? I mean, it reminds me a little bit of what Washington did. Remember when Washington got RG3 and they got all those picks? And they sent them to the Rams so they could get RG3? Mike Shanahan went like this. Man, I really love RG3. Then he started winking, going, why don't we draft that guy Cousins in the fifth round? Hedged his bets, like how he did. Guys are smart, man. Right? guy smart. Eh, let's get cousins. That's kind of how they built that that offense there. Yeah, so hey, no no question about it. How he has put the team in the hands of the coaches. who I have suspect on um, All right, let's do this now. Let's go by the numbers. Let's have a little fun here. Let's have some fun here. I'm going to keep this sheet over here for the whole year. Jalen Hurts. Let's start there with the hard one. You have team goals and you have personal goals. Team goal is to win the NFC East. I don't care how that looks. I'd like the Eagles to have home field advantage. Because if you have to go on the road to take on Aaron Rodgers or Tom Brady, you're not winning that game. If you're hosting a game, you may have an upset, and I'll take my odds at home. I think the Eagles, if they want to get to a Super Bowl or they want to get to an NFC championship game, I think they got to have home field advantage. Okay? You're not going to outduel Brady and Aaron Rodgers in their building. You're not. You're not there yet. Okay, you're just not. So, Jalen Hurts' personal goals should be what? Okay, I love that, Manster. Seals, will they perform in critical quest? Will they perform? It's totally the critical question. Will they be able to plug everything in with everything they have? Absolutely. Jalen Hurts by the numbers. Martell. 3,800 and 700 yards. 3,800 and 700 yards. That's still a lot of rushing yards for me, man. That number has to come down. For the team to be successful offensively, Jalen Hurts has to be around 500 yards. 400 yards, somewhere in there because Jalen Hurts is 400 yards, are going to be like eight yards a carry. If Sanders is a 1,200-yard back and Jalen has 500, but he's gaining 10 yards a carry, that's effective because you're constantly in third and short then. That, to me, is what they need to work on. This miles. This is why I think they have Miles Sanders on the shelf here until the start of the season. I really do. GT, I'm in that conversation there with you, brother. 3,800 yards, 400 rushing. If they get that out of Jalen Hurts, that offense is going to be on its way. 27 uh, passing touchdowns. I'm going to get to A.J. here in a minute. I think that's doable. Name is out of his mind. 400, 4,000 passing and 800 rushing, you're out of your mind if you think he's going to improve 1,000 yards this year. He's not. 3,800, 400, that means the rest of the team is picking up the slack That, to me, is more like it. And by the way, 3,800 and eight yards a carry, Jalen Hurts improved. And with 25 to 27 touchdowns, he's improved. And he makes it even more difficult to decide whether or not to go into the draft and get a quarterback if he put – guys, 4,500 yards, 4,200 yards, that's reserved for big-arm quarterbacks – This guy is not it. He's going to win differently. He's going to win differently. Stop thinking he's a regular quarterback. He's not. 4K passing, 400 rushing, need to see the rushing go down, and I need 30. Jesus, criminy. He'll never accomplish that. You're setting the kid up for failure with that. That is so high. Dude, if he was capable of doing that, they'd have drafted him the fifth pick in the draft. When they realized that Baker Mayfield couldn't do that, they they moved him for a seventh rounder to Carolina. That's what they were expecting from Baker. He was the number one pick. They said, no, 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 I don't know. no, 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 no. No, no, no. Running backs gonna get at least 10 receivers. With that group you have, never happened. You don't have pass catching backs. Who told you that? Miles Sanders hasn't been the same since his rookie season. First 20 games had 4K passing. Um, this just then. Okay. That means nothing. 29 TDs, five rushing TDs. Joe, you get around 25 or 27 touchdowns. You're talking about... You're you're, you're really having a great year. 3,800, Mr. International. That's what GT's saying. I'm with you, man. Okay? Hey, GT, you know what's funny? Hey, Sills. I can't say he can't do it, most likely no. GT, watch this. How about this? I think he can too, maybe. Just not this year. Is that fair? Just not this year. These are a lot of new pieces on this football team, guys. I'm 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 suspect of that. Anytime you have massive change, you have massive confusion. Just because you put all these new dudes in the room. How many times have you ever seen that where you've made drastic changes in a roster and that team's gone on to win a Super Bowl? Lamar got the same style and threw 36 touchdowns. Lamar Jackson and Jalen Hurts is the moon and the sun. They're not in the same conversation. They're, They're not the same guy. Hertz will be around 3,600, dude. 3,600 yards and 25 touchdowns and four to five hundred yards rushing. That team will win 13 ball games. That shows you just a little bit more improvement in the passing game. AJ, do you know what AJ Brown's strength is? He's gonna be a red zone nightmare along with Dallas Goddard. And then you're gonna have a dude who runs the best routes in football, running in the secondary wide the frig open. I think the Eagle strength is not going to be any longer. They're going to be good 20 to 20. I'll tell you what, man, now that you had A.J. Brown, A.J. Brown is going to be kind of the factor from 20 to 20. But boy, I'll tell you from 20 in, he is going to be a, he's going to be a, just a nightmare on a matchup. What corner are you going to put on him? By the way, Jalen Ramsey in the red zone versus A.J. Brown. I'll take A.J. Brown. Diggs, the kid from Dallas versus A.J. in the red zone. I got A.J. all night. I got him all night. Okay? Hurts throws better than Lamar absolutely untrue where did you see that it's untrue you made that up just now you just made that up with a guy that led the NFL in passing touchdowns you made that up And by the way in his first year starting completely made that up Hertz will throw nine to eleven ints. That's kind of in. I, I can live with nine to ten. I can live with that. Okay. So okay, fly. So you think Jalen Hurts can outpass and beat Patrick Mahomes? He had a chance last year. Was destroyed in the game because they didn't have to throw the ball. You don't really think Jalen Hurts can go in a duel with Patrick Mahomes? Lamar Jackson did last year and won it. So I got 3,800 and 400 yards rushing. And you know what? Here's the big increase. I say he throws for 25 touchdowns. I say this guy throws for 25 touchdowns. Okay? 25. 3,800. 400 yards rushing at around seven yards of carry and 25 touchdowns. I can live with that. I can live with that. Okay. Here's a big one. How do you think Jonathan Gannon uses Hassan Redick? If Hassan Reddick doesn't have double-digit sacks this year, I'm going to turn and look at Jonathan Gannon and go like this. What are you doing? What are you doing? He's your most formidable pass rusher. How is Gannon using him? 43? Wide 9? 46? 50? Look. Don't make it too confusing. Because defensive guys just like to be wound up and aimed in a direction. And let me go hit the quarterback. Don't give me too much bullshit or too much technique. Let me go hit the guy. My question is, is this guy going to do what he did a year ago? Or even Fletcher Cox is bitching about it going, what are we doing here? Where are we going? What's up? I don't know what you're asking me to do. How are you using all these new pieces? Hassan Reddick, how many sacks this year do you see him having? Joe goes, I don't know. Wow. You know what, Joe? I don't either. I don't know how they're going to use them because if i see hassan reddick on first and second down i'm gonna run right at his ass and you know what's going to be said about that and i'm gonna tell you here in a second flex says y'all got low expectations for a dude that's due for contract extension at the end of the year yeah but you got to stay within your your talents you got to stay within your talents and within your zone of what you can and can't do joshua says 13 sacks Six and a half because JG will outsmart himself. Fat says 10 and a half. I'm kind of in there with you, Fat Mattress. I'm I'm, I'm, I'm kind of there. 10 and a half. I think he's a 10 and a half guy too. I think Reddick's 10 and a half. Okay? And I think they're going to struggle on finding out how to use him early on. And here, let me get back to my point here. So, if I see Hassan Reddick on first and second down, and I'm a football team that has a good old line, I'm going to run at that guy. And especially if I'm the Cowboys, I'm going to run at that guy. I'm going to run at that guy. I'm going to run at that guy. If I'm Washington, I'm going to run at that guy. If I'm the Giants, I'm going to run at him. You know why? Because later in the year, that guy at 240 pounds will be worn the fuck out. That's what they started doing to Lawrence Taylor later in his career. They started running at him. LT was just so exceptional that he was a phenomenal run stopper too. But I don't care who you are. You get 360-pound guys leaning on you for 18 weeks. Again, the war of attrition. Watch this. Big dudes beat up little dudes. And he may look great early in the year. Let's see how that guy looks in week 14. When people have been beating on him and running the ball at him because he's an undersized outside linebacker slash edge rusher. He's undersized. You ever notice what they do with T.J. Watt? See, to me, if I were Jonathan Gannon, I'd get all the game film I can on T.J. Watt because he's an undersized edge rusher. You ever notice that they put him on the weak side And they always make sure that he's in the open side. He's in like the short side of the field. They they don't want him on the strong side of the field, wide open. Because teams will run their ball right at that guy. They position him perfectly. Xander says 10 and a half sacks for Reddick. So you believe Gannon will will change, On No, I don't think. I think that that guy's capable of 13 and a half, but I'm saying 10 and a half because they won't be able to figure him out at first where to put him. And no longer utilize him early in the year. That's what I think happens. Because when you have a tweener, that's what he is. He's a tweener. He's 6-1, he's 240. Okay, well, 6 240 covering tight ends, he's getting that's a mismatch. He's not a cover. He's not a cover edge rusher. Okay, he can't cover tight ends and backs out of the backfield. That's not what he is. That's why Arizona and Carolina they they allowed him to walk out. You don't let edge rushers walk out the out the room unless why? You can't figure out how to use them. Carolina and Arizona. He's a good pass rusher. But you run at him. You wear him out. He can't cover tight ends, and he can't cover backs out of the backfield. How are you going to use them? Situationally? Third and long? This guy's got to figure this out. I don't think he's got the defensive knowledge to figure out how to play him. Jim Johnson, I met, I brought it up in the first hour. Jim Johnson came up with a whole new scheme for Hugh Douglas. Had a whole new scheme for Hugh Douglas. The over under when we had Hollis Thomas on last week. Okay. Hey, by the way, we're going to have a fun Friday for you. Ice Cube's going to join us. I know that's out of nowhere, but my boy Ice Cube's going to join me on Friday. We're going to talk to him. He's a big sports fan. He can't wait for the start of the NFL season. And I told him, I said, I'm going to make a bet with you. The Eagles have a better season than the Raiders this year. Okay. And I, I'm going to make a bet with him. That the Eagles have more wins than his than his Raiders this year. I think the Raiders are going to be good, though, man. So Ice Cube, I think um, uh, three thirty on Friday. I think that's when he said he's a, he's available. <laughs> hey, Mister International, he loves sports, man. Cube's a good people, man. He's just such a good guy. I love him, man. Um, I just don't know how they're going to use him. So early on to me, I think they're going to struggle a little bit on trying to figure out Hassan Reddick. But I do think he gets 10 and a half. 10 and a half is what he's been doing the last couple of years. Okay? Reddick is just as talented as Parsons? Absolutely not. Micah Parsons can cover tight ends. Micah Parsons can cover running backs. Hassan Reddick can't. It's it that's a, that's a scouting report on him. He can't cover backs and tight ends. Parsons can. I think it's a mistake by Dan Quinn to have him do it. I would edge rush that guy all night long. Okay? Um, A.J. Brown by the numbers. Let's go here. A.J. Brown by the numbers. What do you see this player having his expectations for 2022? What do you th- what what do you see for AJ Brown this year? And and know this, I want to throw this at you so that you know who he is and not who you think he is. He has averaged 68 catches and 998 yards for the last 3 years of his career. He's that guy, okay? So before you start coming out with these grandiose numbers, look at the production and the history of who he is, because the trend is after three years, 68 catches, 998 yards and 10 touchdowns. That's who he is. Okay. You go there with that. You guys, you guys will know who he is. Philly D says, 1100 yards, nine touchdowns. Swansky says, 1057 and nine touchdowns. I love that actually. I think 1057. And would you have nine? I think 10 touchdowns. I think between 10 and 13. AJ Brown is not TO. He's not as gifted as a wideout as TO. But where he is as gifted as TO are those jump balls. Uh, Marina says 80 catches a thousand yards and seven touchdowns um he's never had more than 70 you're suggesting that he's going to have 10 more than his career average and that that would be a career year for him vj 10 10 90 and 11 touchdowns i like that okay Laurent says what are you talking about he played with derrick henry what are you talking about like you're being silio, but your broke down version of your what's that got to do with Derrick Henry owning and being the number one focal point on that team? And AJ Brown was the third wheel, and I'm broken down. And what's that got to do with anything? What's that got to do with what we're talking about when it comes to AJ Brown? Jesus crime a guy. What are you talking about? Well, honestly, I mean That's not who he is, and it's not who he's ever going to be, a a 1,500, 1,400-yard guy who threw for 3,100 yards last year. You're out of your tree. I liked 11 touchdowns. 60 catches, 750 yards, that would be a bad season for me. 16 touchdowns, that's kind of a crazy spin there, but I get it. I like it. Okay. Okay. I want to save two guys for – The last one here, okay? Do me a favor. Hit the like button. Keep it here on the National Football Show.
6: treasure he's a mentor a pace setter jim is my north star he's trusted revered
5: appreciated
6: he is, he is action news
5: he's compassionate honest and fair
6: he is extremely dedicated motivated and always seeking the truth
5: he's also funny we are a team of many
6: jim gardner is our leader and we're lucky to have him At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best
1: rocks glass.
6: Free.
2: You're telling me that bottle is cut in half?
6: You
5: could say that. Go for the pulls and the pools. Go for the ooze and the ahs. Go for the bubbles
1: Welcome back. National Football Care with your boy, Big Phil. I love throwing these numbers out at people because you know why? It kind of tells me how we view these guys and what kind of talent level that they have and the importance to a team. And it is a team concept and where sometimes numbers don't really tell the true importance of what a player's um, place on a football team is. Like, you know, we were just talking about A.J. Brown being on – the Tennessee Titans, A.J. Brown's value on the Titans wasn't in his numbers. It was in his ability. He never really put big numbers up. They were not eye-opening production numbers. He's got very pedestrian numbers in Tennessee. But you know what he did do? Defenses had to account for him. And you had Derrick Henry. So there was more of an illusion in the room of what that guy was capable of bringing to the table than more of his production. He's never really been a productive guy when it comes to catching footballs and putting up huge numbers. He's never going to be, or he hasn't been to this point in his career, a fifteen hundred yard guy. You're never going to confuse him with Devontae Adams's numbers or with some of the guys that you see like Cooper Cup. You're never going to conf- you're never going to confuse him with that. Now, again, his importance is in the duality of what the offensive approach is and what the attack is. In, in a run offense, A.J. Brown's a nightmare because you know what you have to do? You have to account for that guy. Even with that running attack, because he is one of the best wide receivers in giving what to quarterbacks? Play action. You have to account for play action as a coordinator with a guy that like that, talented, out there on the Y or Z. You have to. You just can't go like this. Well, Jalen sucks. He's no good. That kid doesn't. That's why you can play Tannehill at the quarterback position, turn around and give the ball 32 times to a guy like Derrick Henry, who, by the way, last year, I would say this to you about Derrick Henry. If I'm the Tennessee Titans, I'm actually almost glad he got hurt. You know why? He was on pace for 435 carries. Dude, what are you trying to do? Kill the guy? I mean, he was on pace for all-time records and carries. He probably would have went past Eric Dickerson's number, but at the end of the time here, man, what were you trying to do to the guy? You run him into the ground. I mean, but his importance was more so on play action. He, 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 you have to account for guys like that. But when you're looking at production numbers. There is no way you're going to sit back and go like this. A.J. Brown's in the conversation with the Jamar Chases, the Devontae Adams, the Cooper Cubs of the world, the Diggs's of the world. He's never going to be that guy because he's not that guy. That's not how he's utilized. I saw somebody say this. If he was playing with Brady, he'd be a 1,400-yard guy. Has Brady ever had a wide receiver like that outside of Randy Moss? And A.J. Brown, I would never confuse him for Randy Moss. Okay, the rest of those guys were all slot receivers. The two most formidable wideouts that he's ever played with are Mike Evans and Randy Moss. The rest of those guys have been slot receivers. Wes Welker, uh, Deion Branch, Amendola. They've never really been over-the-top guys. Brady's not that kind of player. And A.J. Brown's not a slot receiver. A.J. Brown would have probably gotten his 70, 80 catches, 1,000 yards, something like that. But don't ever confuse the fact that Brady's Brady's a slot thrower. He throws to the slot and backs. He's made a complete career out of that. Okay? A complete a complete career. Troy Brown, right, he was a dual player, cornerback and and, and played wide out. If Aaron Rodgers had him, I could see A.J. with 1,200. That'd be an exceptional year for him, too. And probably his yards per catch would be 15 yards, 16 yards a catch. Absolutely. Michael says, agree with you, Sills. If he can get the screens down, the offense will be – Dude, if he – if Jalen Hurts gets the short passing game down, there's no telling how far the Eagle offense can go because then that opens up Devontae. And that leads me to my next guy. We're going by the numbers. I like what we said with Jalen Hurts, 3,800. 400 rushing, 25 touchdowns. Hassan Reddick, 10 and a half sacks, because I don't believe that Gannon's going to figure it out for a little bit until how to use him. AJ, 1057, 10 touchdowns, somewhere in there. My next guy's Dallas Goddard. Goddard by the numbers. You ready? 110 catches, 1,100 yards, and eight touchdowns. I think he is going to be the security blanket that Zach Ertz was for... Carson Wentz, I think he's going to be that guy because he's going to be easier to spot because he's going to play at the tight end position and you're going to see him mostly on the hash. I think he is going to be the guy that, look, you've got Devontae running these amazing routes. You've got AJ over here protecting your play action and you've got a pass catching tight end running around in the middle of the field. My opinion is, Dallas Goddard is going to have an all pro season. It would not shock me if he was on that all pro team at the end of the year. He's going to elevate himself. He might actually be better than the kid in Baltimore. If he can stop some of them drops, he might be actually better than the kid in Baltimore. I think Zach's, I think Dallas Goddard's going to have a big year. I really do. Of all the pass catchers out there, and you know what? It's it's more so to your history too, okay. More to feast with Pete. AJ Brown is great, ex receiver that can get guys like Smith and Goddard. That's correct. That absolutely and feast. That's also the hidden gem with AJ Brown. You got a guy like AJ Brown. He opens the entire field if Jalen can find him. Okay. If, if he can if he can find him, 12 TDs, that's a, that's a lot. I got 110 catches. I do, man. I think he's going to have a spectacular season. Okay? There's no way that Goddard has 100 catches. The only people that you've ever had in – Hey, Ralph, the only people that you've ever had in the history of your franchise to ever get 100 catches has been the tight end position. No other play position – Wide receiver running back has ever had a hundred catches. You guys are talking about a hundred catches for your receivers. You've never had one. Since nineteen thirty, whenever the team was founded, you've never had a hundred catch wide out. And now all of a sudden, with a developing quarterback, you're gonna have two? Yeah, okay. That's daydreaming. Philly D. Sills, the numbers are giving is Goddard, Smith, and Brown will have 25 TD so is 30 or more out? Of, no. Like I said, Philly, I think where the hidden gem of this offense is going to be is not 20 to 20 like it was last year. I think it's 20 in. I think you're going to be more formidable 20 in than you were from 20 to 20. That's that. You have to improve there, in my opinion. Let's get to Devontae here and talk about Devontae Smith. Um, Where does he fit in this? Where does Devontae Smith fit into the expectations of the offense and him improving and him improving the offense in general with Jalen? Where is he in here? I think the biggest numbers are going to go to A.J. And, and Goddard. Swankski, in my opinion, and also I am real. Guys, I think Devontae is going to put up the same numbers as he did last year. 70 catches, 950, somewhere in there. I, 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 I just think he's going to be a guy, again, that is going to suffer a little bit as the offense matures and gets better. I do. He's going to be the one that's going to suffer. Okay. And, and, and Sanders, Sanders is the biggest Devonte Smith fan that we have here at Jacob and maybe in Philadelphia. Okay. He is totally him and Josh Talentino. They love the kid. Okay. And this is what he says. That's about what I'm thinking too. Sills, Okay. And, and by the way, like I said, if he's with a, if Devontae Smith is with Kirk Cousins, he's putting up Justin Jefferson numbers. But you have so many things you're trying to cook at one time. You have three pots that you're trying to cook play caller, AJ, Ryan, Sanders, Devontae, Goddard. All with a training wheels quarterback that's still learning how to play the position. It's not shade, it's development. He's not a developed quarterback. And as he's going to Goddard, AJ, Devontae, short passing game, man, that's a lot. And then you know what you guys want him to do? Still run the ball for 900 yards. How is that feasibly possible? Tom Brady doesn't do that. Tom Brady has no involvement in the running game of the Buccaneers outside of throwing the backs. All the elite guys are worried about is passing, finding their guys, creating passing lanes. You guys want him to throw for 4,200 yards, 35 touchdowns 900 yards rushing all in the realm of developing the offense which is still trying to figure out how to beat elite teams you don't find that to be a little bit of wishful thinking that's a lot man herb goes lamar does yeah what happens to lamar He gets broken down. The last two years, he's been injured doing that. Baltimore's running that guy out of the league. Yeah. Herb, you're right. That's why he didn't finish the year last year. You got to give the kids some help. That's why when I started the program today, Miles Sanders has to be, he is the wild card in this. You want those numbers from Jalen Hurts, that kid's got to play 18 weeks, 17 games. it has got to. Because if you're asking Jalen Hurts to carry the mail, and a passing game, there's nobody in the league talented like that. By the way, the year that Lamar won the MVP unanimously and he led the NFL in passing touchdowns, he only threw for 3,100 yards. He ran for 14. It wasn't like they put up 5,000 passing yards that year. That's why they got bounced in the playoffs that season. And they won 14 games. They went 14 and two. I think it was 14 and two. He was the unanimous MVP and they got bounced. Asking a guy to do too much. Dude, the greatest quarterbacks in the league don't do that. But somehow, in Philadelphia, when you pick up a newspaper or you listen to a show, you think, yeah, about 900 yards rushing, 10 touchdowns, 4,500 yards. Dude, this ain't Madden. (laughs) It's unrealistic expectations when you're doing that. Dude, like I said, I want 400 yards, seven yards of carry. Because seven yards of carry keeps you honest big time. And that means your backs took some heat off them. Dude, that running game. As great as it is, can't be Jalen Hurts' running game. Your best back can't be your quarterback. Do you know that's what you have in Philly? How shitty is that? Your best back is your quarterback. And your quarterback is not one of the better quarterbacks in the league. Yet. They need a back. A reliable one. That's what they need in Philly right now. I think Howie knows that. They want, hey, you want to give Jalen Hurts $40 million at the end of the year, get him a back that's durable and reliable and can catch. That's Sony Michelle. Somebody like that. Sony Michelle, what's he got? Three Super Bowl rings with Brady? How many times do you see that guy catching the ball out of the backfield, getting 115 yards receiving in like eight? eight catches and two touchdowns or some shit like that. How many times did you see him do that? Like, like that's the kind of guy you need. You don't need to have a 1400 yard back like Dalvin cook. You don't need that. Your old line will take care of everything, but you got to take the heat off the dude, man. You want this offense to move forward. You want to see the big numbers by Devante. You want to see the big numbers by AJ. You want to see all that. He can't be the focal point in running the ball. Every time you guys, that's why, and maybe I didn't explain it well enough. Every time you guys go, Sills, he had 10 touchdowns and he had like eight, 900 yards. God, man, that's terrible. That tells me he had no passing game. Every time people say this to me about a quarterback, hey, Sills, he ran a 4-3 and he had 900 yards last year. Well, he must not be a very good passer then. Facts. Jalen takes off because he can. Brady can't, so he has to make the throws. That's the hidden advantage on being a pocket passer. Though Brady don't have the option like Jalen does. Play breaks down, no one's open, takes off. <laughs> well, guess what? Brady can't do that. He's got to find a way to get them wideouts open. That's why wideouts like playing for him. Whiteouts don't like playing for guys like Lamar Jackson and Jalen Hurts because you don't get the targets not open first look I take off Brady stands in the pocket and gets an ass beating back there for a reason that's why his receivers lay out for him that's why Jalen Rager never laid out play breaks down quarterback's taken off dude you got a true quarterback back there and you take and you ain't running your route. Brady's going to give you an earful when you get to the sidelines. How many times you see him bitching at guys not finishing the route? But you know what Brady's telling him? I'm standing back there getting my ass kicked, and you're giving up on a route? Fuck that. And you see him say those things. Finish the route. That's what he's screaming. You see him doing that. I'm taking a beating back there. And you're not finishing the route. Jalen Rager never finished routes because you know why? The offense they have, it's not important. What's Nick saying two weeks ago? Well, when the play's not open, he just takes off. You ain't doing that in Tom Brady's offense. Okay? Nobody. Dude, I saw Brady hit last year in that Rams game pretty much that entire second half. Aaron Donald was all over him in that game, in the second half of that game in Tampa. I don't know the game you were watching, but they pressured his ass and hit him. Okay? They hit him. Mr. International, Brady's a real pocket passer. Yeah. And by the way, I'm not suggesting to you in any way that Jalen Hurts doesn't have courage. That's not what – Baker Mayfield has no courage. That's why he runs out of the pocket because he doesn't have courage. I'm not suggesting to you that on Jalen. I see courage back there. I see a guy who's still learning how to read. Okay. That's kind of where I'm at with him. I mean, I, 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 that's why 3,800 and 400 is a massive improvement, but that running game with Miles Sanders has to improve my friends. Because if your focal point, again, is Jalen Hurts running the ball, they're going to resort back to that, and your passing game will not develop like it didn't last year. Your passing game never developed. You were 2-5 and when they tried to develop it. Then they realized they couldn't, and they started developing a running attack, and you ended up number one. Okay? That's the storyline last year. You went from trying to develop a passing game to quitting on it, to developing your running attack with your quarterback and it worked okay now you got to make the second move let's get that passing game up to go along with that fabulous running game see you're still one-dimensional right now until you can go out and show that you're not one-dimensional anymore you're still the one dimension a defensive coordinator in national football league still looks at the eagles as one-dimensional even with the addition of aj That's how they're going to attack it. And then all of a sudden, like like Xander said, bro, let me say this to you, man. If that guy throws for 400 yards in the opening week against the Lions, all bets are off because then they set the tone of what they're going to try to do the entire year, okay? That's why I told you when I opened up my show today and we started talking, I don't want to hear anything about slow starts. Um a four-point win over the Lions, you need to kill that team. And you better think like that. Don't think about making the playoffs or winning a division. Think about winning every single game that you're in. I mean, look at this. Will you be favored in the Lions game? Yeah. You'll probably be favored in the Vikings game. You'll be favored in the Washington game. You'll be favored in the Jags game. It could be a push for the Cardinals. The Cowboys, nobody is going to favor the Eagles in that first game in week six. Okay? Not when you've lost seven to 10 at Lincoln Financial and you haven't swept them in 11 years. Nobody's going to pick the Eagles to be a team that's favored to win that game. Be about a three point spread in that game, I think. Okay? Look, I want to circle this back here, though, and say this to you. Moving Rager today, awesome. Getting CJ yesterday, awesome. Let's do this here. This team has no excuses. I don't want to hear anything about slow starts or anything else about off-ramps. They didn't practice hard. I don't give a shit about that. That's player accountability. Okay, You guys are now in the real bullseye because teams are now looking and people are now looking at the Philadelphia Eagles doing this. This team has a chance to go to the Super Bowl. And I think you do too. Hit the like button. I appreciate everybody coming aboard. Xander, thank you so much. Till tomorrow, 3 to 6 Eastern. We'll see you on the flip side.